I wanted to put this warning right here before the opening credits of this episode. This is an incredibly long and thorough deep dive on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We had a lot of fun making it. We talk about a lot of things. We pick the movie to pieces, and I think it's a really good episode. But if you're not super into Harry Potter, (laughs) or you're not super interested in hearing Goblet of Fire pulled apart piece by piece, strap in or skip it. It's a long, long episode. It's pushing three hours, as you can see. Um, Again, I think it's a really good episode. I think we have lots of really insightful, fun, uh, and interesting criticisms of both the movie and the book, actually. Uh, The main part of the episode is the better in the book. Uh, We had a lot of problems with the film. The better in the book segment is over an hour long. But yeah, it's just letting you know here, letting you know what you're getting into. It's a a big, long episode. Uh, We had a lot of fun making it. And if you've always wanted somebody to tear apart Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the movie... You got it. Here it is. (laughs) Enjoy. This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong... Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Potter and the Goblet of Fire, or as I like to call it, Harry Potter and the Year No One Got a Back to School Haircut. <laughs> and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 30th episode of This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. If you've never joined us before, if you've been joining us lately for our Harry Potter series, we want to do a quick recap of what our show actually is, because it's very different during these Harry Potter episodes. So I wanted to talk very briefly and explain what we normally do here. Uh, Normally, Katie, who, as the intro says, has an English degree, uh, two English degrees specifically, Mm -hmm. she will read the book. I will not. We will both watch the movie, and then we compare, contrast, uh, argue a little sometimes, and uh, sort of pick apart the adaptation, how they adapted it, what the book did better, what the movie did better, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, with this Harry Potter series, it's a little different because we've both read the books before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wouldn't be, I would already know what was in the book, so it wouldn't be the same idea of what we normally do. So instead, we both are just rereading the whole series, um, rewatching the movies together, and then comparing them. And that is our cat. And then comparing them uh, amongst ourselves. And then we're bringing in our friend Trevor, who has never read the books, to uh, sort of act as that other voice to uh, offer a non-book reader perspective. So this is not normally what we do. Uh, Our segments are completely different in this Harry Potter series. We normally do a Guess Who segment, which is like a guessing game of Mm -hmm. just character descriptions from the book compared to the movie actors uh, and, and other stuff like that. 
So going forward, because uh, next one or next episode actually will not be a Harry Potter episode. Yeah, we're taking a short break from Harry Potter, so we can read uh, Order of the Phoenix, which is a long one. Yeah. Um. So you'll get a feel for that if, like I said, if you joined in on the Harry Potter series and haven't gone back and listened to old episodes, it's a little bit different. Uh. Also, while we have you here, before we get started, we would love if you're enjoying our Harry Potter series or our podcast in general, if you can go and rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you download. I think it's available in a handful of other places, Google Play, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Anywhere that you listen to us and you can review us or rate us would be fantastic. Also, if you can share us on any of the social media platforms you use, if you're a big on a certain subreddit that we've done a movie or a book uh, from, go ahead and share us on there if you want. That would be awesome. Getting us out there helps. We're up to over 30 reviews on iTunes, which is really good. We were just at, I don't know, like 15 Less than six months ago. Oh, nice. we, yeah, we've existed for just over a year now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, within the last six months, we've we've probably doubled our amount of reviews and ratings. So that's really exciting. But, yeah, all of those really help us and get us out there more. So thank you for everybody that listens and rates, reviews, and su- uh, subscribes and suggests. That's the word. Suggests us. Let's move on to Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and get two muggle questions. Muggle non-magic folk all right so we're gonna we have a lot of them trevor had a lot of questions this time and i can see why yes uh because this book or this movie is very involved and they all are from here on out because you're condensing so many pages into a two and a half hour movie uh so it's a bit of a problem uh and we'll talk about it later in the in this episode when we sort of get into our discussion on it but he has about 20 questions, 16, 16 total questions. questions. So we're going to do four per section here. We like to yeah. split them up so we don't just spend an hour at the beginning answering all of his questions. So let's go with uh, Trevor's first question. Brian Katie, hello again, and thank you for having me on This Film is Lit, Harry Potter edition. Before I get into my muggle questions, my disclaimer, I'm a casual Harry Potter fan. If I was a main hardliner Harry Potter fan, I would have read the books. So I may ask a question that is just simply dumb. If I do... Tell me. I'll only cry for a while. Also, I may ask a question that'll be answered later on in the books. Totally fine as well. Just let me know that. First question, is Hogwarts and the arena for Quidditch and just the whole wizarding world like hidden from the rest of humanity, from the muggles? Or is it potential that a muggle just on a really long hike could stumble across Hogwarts and go, oh, what's this place? Um, yes, they are hidden. No. Well, maybe I guess a muggle could, but probably not. Well, they mentioned specifically in the book that if a muggle were to approach Hogwarts, they mm-hmm. would, or at least maybe they're talking specifically about the uh, Quidditch field, the Quidditch World Cup. One yeah. of the two. They say they, oh, they remember uh, an errand they need to run or yeah. something they specifically yeah, need uh, to do. They mention a couple like muggle repellent yeah. charms, and that's one of them. Is and that, then there's yeah. another one they mention. Um, that if they approach, I think it was Hogwarts. Hogwarts yeah, that they, they see, see a, like a ruin yes. that says "Danger, keep out." Keep out, and yeah, which yeah. It, to me is like, well, that wouldn't keep out like kids who are like, ooh, a cool. <laughs> I castle. feel like I know a lot of Muggles that that wouldn't. Yeah, keep that's out. what I mean. I was like, the, the making them think or, they, or remember something they need to do seems more foolproof than yeah. <laughs> seeing a cool old castle with a keep out <laughs> sign. But yeah, but we also find out. I think this book is the first time they mention it because with the quit uh, or. 
Hog- or no, maybe the other cat. Uh, yeah, they, the unplottable. Yeah, you can make a location unplottable yeah. in the Harry Potter universe. You can make it so that it won't appear on maps. Which is, I think is funny because it's like, well, you draw the map. Like, <laughs> if, a, if a muggle doesn't know about it to draw it on a map, then it is unplottable in the sense that it they won't draw it on a map. But I guess, like, Google Maps can't take pictures. Like, yeah, satellites you, can't I take pictures. I guess so. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there are several ways uh, to keep muggles from stumbling across magical areas. In the attack on the Quidditch World Cup, why was nobody fighting back against the Death Eaters? Or did I just miss that? Okay, so this is one of the things that the movie was missing, one of many things. This is a big one, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of important. Yeah. Um, so what the movie doesn't show is that the Death Eaters were levitating and torturing muggles. Yes, like a family, specifically a family of four, like two little kids and two parent yeah. muggles who we even met earlier in the book uh, who are like yeah, the they, campground. Yeah, they run the campsite. Run the campground, yeah. Um, so the, the idea is that the Ministry Wizards are having a difficult time like fighting the mob and keeping the floating muggles from like plunging to their deaths. Yeah, so the there is Ministry, in the book it is described that the Ministry people go, like Arthur goes to try to help. Like yeah. he tells the kids to run into the woods and then he goes to try to, him and Percy and... Uh, like Bill and Charlie. Bill and Charlie all go to try to help. And like the other thing, which they don't mention, and this is for better in the book, is that there are a lot, uh, and we'll get more into depth with it there, but there are a lot of other wizards who aren't Death Eaters who start mm-hmm. kind of joining this big uh, mass like of mob, people, mob of people, yeah. and they're trying to, and the ministry officials, on top of not wanting to have the muggles fall and get hurt, they're also trying to get through to the Death Eaters in the middle. Yeah. Because they're the main issue to some extent, um, which again, we'll get into a little bit more. I have that in my Better in the Book segment. Right, um, and it, it, I think the idea is that it kind of has devolved into like mob rule, right. and at any point where you have that, your authority like a mob it's, mentality. It, yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be a hard time getting yeah. that back under control. Yeah, but the idea is in the book that is specifically mentioned that the ministry does go yes, and try. They, they do. do. It's you don't see it as much in the movie. I mean, you kind of do in a sense that the the moment where they come and try to stun Harry and them they're trying yeah. to do something but you don't actually <laughs> see them going after the death eaters in the movie which happens in the book how often does the tri wizard tournament take place does the book go into that all right so the tri wizard tournament uh takes place every 5 years mhm uh used to take right, place that's every what five dumbledore years. says yes. uh, and i don't know if they mentioned this in the movie i can't remember specifically now if they mentioned it in the movie that it take, used to take place every five years but it hasn't happened uh, it's explicitly described in the book it hasn't happened in over a hundred years mm-hmm. and the main reason for that is because of injuries and deaths yeah. the, <laughs> specifically like the, the death casualty toll. count yeah. was high <laughs> the death toll got too high that they just stopped doing it uh, because they thought it wasn't worth it yeah basically and i mean you can see why because this is supposed to be like a the safe, safe version and, and they're like i have problems like, mm. with that nope <laughs> not remotely <laughs> even not if you leave safe. out even if you leave out the fact that cedric ultimately dies but that's not even because of the tournament necessarily right. like there's so many issues with this, especially the first challenge yeah i have real big issues with but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later it looks like the other schools participating in the tri-wizard tournament are not as big as Hogwarts. Is that true? All right, final question for this segment. Uh, are the other schools not as big as Hogwarts? I mean, we don't know. We assume they're uh, around the same size. Yeah, I would, I would assume so. Uh, we don't ever know exactly. Well, we know Bobatons is in France, we assume, because yeah. they all speak French. 
Yeah. Uh, and we assume um, Durmstrang is in some sort of Scandinavian somewhere up like, north. Yeah. And right. Harry, Hermione mentions it in the book because she says, well, we don't know exactly where they are, but uh, Durmstrang students, their their outfits include like furs. And, mm-hmm. and when we hear them in the movie and in the book, they're, they have uh, Scandinavian type accents or like almost like an Eastern oh, European. Yeah, Eastern European accents. Yeah. Um, on their English. So, yeah, they're. So we can, we can well, assume and Crumb plays for Bulgaria. So yes. there you go. So we know where roundabouts where yeah, he's from. Since Crumb plays for Bulgaria and goes to Durmstrang. Yeah. We can, so I mean, assume. we can assume that they're around the same size. Yeah. Um, we know Hogwarts is a really famous yeah. wizarding school, so maybe they're a little. They might bigger, be bigger, yeah. But it's a little like deceptive the way that they show it because the two other schools only brought their shortlisted contenders yeah. yeah they don't bring their yeah yeah that's the other thing is that they don't bring the entire school yeah to hogwarts they just bring the 10 or 15 kids that can could possibly right, that compete can actually compete because of the age limit <laughs> this year which is yeah and i would assume that they would leave back anybody who was like nah i don't want to. yeah anybody who said they didn't want to compete yeah. yeah they literally just brought um and there's a moment later where Dermstrang says we would, or uh, Karkaroff says, hey, if we would have known that younger kids could compete after Harry gets in, he goes, we would have brought more students. Right. For, right. you know, to, to, but he goes, yeah. so they only brought the people they, they were old enough to compete. All right. Let's get into the first and the biggest segment. Because, boy, do we have some oh. issues with this movie. How many pages is this section in our notes? It is almost all of almost our all notes. Almost all of our notes. Uh, it's like one. It's two, like four, three, pa- four, five, six, six, six pages. Yeah. Uh, it's better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So better in the book is going to be, and this tends to be the case with these, it's a combination of things we like better in the book and problems we have with the movie. Yeah. It's kind of a hybrid, which it, makes sense, but... yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of uh, of kind of two segments there. So yeah, uh, better in the book. First thing up, uh, the Dursleys. Uh, now they were originally going. We discussed this in the prequel episode. The Dursleys were going to be in this movie. Yeah, uh, they were dropped because of contract disputes. Essentially, they wanted more money, and they were like, "Fine, we'll just cut your part from the movie." Um, but there's some really great moments in the book that I wish that are really funny and, and that I kind of wish had been would have been fun to see in the movie, which is one is Molly mailing her the invitation for the World Cup. Uh-huh. Uh, and she sends a letter, which I think it's funny that they don't understand. They can't put wrap their minds around postage because they send letters all the time. I guess they just don't need stamps. Well, they, yeah, they send them by outpost. Yeah, I know. So but so she have a stamp. Yeah. So she sends a letter and it's literally the entire letter is covered in stamps yeah. other than the address on the front. But the rest of it is all stamps. She wants to be sure she put enough postage <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, how would you know how much postage it takes? Yeah. If you sent by outpost. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, another great moment is the uh, fireplace incident. They hook the Weasleys hook up and they don't tell Harry they're going to do this, which yeah. was a mistake. They hook <laughs> up uh, the Dursleys to the flu network and pop into the Dursleys fireplace. And the Dursleys still from the first book have their fireplace boarded up because he boards it up in the first book. Yeah. So the letters can't yeah. come in through the fireplace anymore. And so all of the Weasleys are trapped. I say all oh, it's like Ron, Fred, George and Arthur. It's more than belong in, <laughs> in a, a fireplace. fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> are trapped, boarded into this wall, and Arthur Weasley blasts the wall out, basically. Yeah. And this is a great moment of, of uh, and, like, covers the Dursleys in, like, plaster and dust, and, <laughs> you know, because Petunia is notoriously um, anal about how she keeps everything super clean, yeah. especially with visitors coming. Uh, so I, that's another fun moment. And then the, another one that you put here. Uh, 
the Tun Tung Toffee. Yes. So the the uh, the Fred and George pranksters, obviously, but they're they're sort of this is the beginning of their business yeah, ventures. Their business venture to uh, sell prank items. Yeah, and so they developed a candy that uh, makes your tongue grow uh, <laughs> incredibly large. Yeah. Uh, if you eat it and. Also, Harry has mentioned to them that Dudley is on a diet. He's been on a diet all summer Mm -hmm. because he's gotten too big. And so they bring candy and accidentally, quote unquote, drop it on the ground, knowing Dudley will eat it. And then there's just a great uh, one of the the specific moment that I thought would be hilarious that I wish was in the movie is that they they all realize what happened. And but Petunia is like losing her mind and trying to rip his tongue out of his (laughs) mouth because she doesn't realize it's his tongue. She doesn't realize what's happened. So there's a line about her trying to yank his tongue out of his mouth. And Arthur's there trying to like sort this all out. He's trying to like make everything better. And like kind of the moment that I wanted to see too was Uncle Vernon just chucking, throwing China at him or whatever it is. Like tchotchkes and things at him. And, and yeah, and Arthur just exasperated trying to solve the situation, and he just tells them to leave, and then he takes care of it. Yeah. And all the kids go back in the fireplace. But but the movie skips all of that. Yes. And we go... We just jump directly into right, Harry. We get Harry's up. initial dream, where he dreams about Voldemort in the old Riddle House, yeah. and then we go right into, they're at the Weasleys, getting yeah. ready for the World Cup. Going to the World Cup. Which leads to? Amos, Amos Diggory? Yeah. Amos. I Amos, I pictured douchier looking than he is in the because movie because he's such a douche to Harry. He is such a douche to Harry, but in the movie he kind of looks like a bird watcher. Yeah, like he a little bit weird, but like essentially harmless. It's a it's pretty close to what I imagined. I because I, I his douchiness isn't from I don't know I didn't I, it's just he's so like over the moon for his son and yeah. like so proud of his his son. Because his son is a prefect and, you know, like the the best ho- uh, Hufflepuff student like in the last 10 years or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that it's just that's where his, all of his pride and sort of douchiness comes from. Not because he's like a cool guy. <laughs> his son who randomly do- drops down out of a tree. Yeah. When they the first movie, run into him in the like, movie, okay. I was like, wait, was he up in a tree? <laughs> what was he doing? All right. Practicing um, for Twilight. Leading to, they didn't take the port key to uh, the Quidditch World Cup because yeah. they have to take the port key because they can't, the kids can't apparate uh, and they won't want people flying in brooms everywhere mm-hmm. over to get there. So they take a port key, which is basically just sucks you from one place to the other. Um, and in the book, it's described, it, it, it yanks you and you feel like a yank in your stomach and then it pulls you through. I think the effect looks pretty cool in the movie. Yeah. But uh, when they land, in the book, it's described that they all fall on the ground except for uh arthur amos and cedric who land on their feet Mm -hmm. like when they get there the movie chose to portray this by having them float down waggling their legs they're like running through the air run on air to get down to the ground yeah and so clearly look like they're on cables like it's so clearly like they're on cable harnesses it looks really dumb and i and i i was like why why one whose decision was that two why surely the older weasley kids like fred and george would know how to do that i don't think they do in the book because they don't take the poor they always just take the flu network places Uh, and and the whole thing with cedric the reason he is done it i don't know if he's done it before but he's like such a perfect physical specimen is the idea (laughs) no no really truly that is to to sort of illustrate his physical prowess 
is that he, you know, he, he lands on his feet. Like he's got great feet. balance. Yeah, sure, yeah that is, sure. that's what it is. And that's, that's setting up sort of Cedric's character. Because we never really met Cedric. We met him in the previous book as the Seeker, but, you know, we didn't really right. learn much about him. So I, I believe that's why none of the other well, ones the are. The running on air things. The running on air. Stupid. Really dumb. Really, really dumb. I love, and they skip it in the movie because the tent's already set up when they get there, but yeah. uh, they get to the campground and Arthur is super excited about using a hammer oh and, and uh, stakes and tent poles and put up a tent. And, and I just like, love the idea of seeing him. Yeah. like Putting up a tent is such a nightmare. It is. It's like and a nightmare task. It's terrible. Or it can be. And uh, I just wish we would have seen Arthur having so much fun with it. <laughs> so they get to... The Quidditch World Cup, uh-huh. and they're like going up to their seats, yeah, which are really high up, yeah. And they see the Malfoys, uh-huh. who don't miss the opportunity to jab at them because they're sitting in seats that are high up, and the Malfoys are in the minister's box. Yeah. But this is in the movie. <laughs> this is in yeah. the movie because well, they won. In the book, they are also oh, in the minister. They're all in the minister's box. Yeah, well, uh, Arthur pulls a, a favor basically yeah. with one of the ministry people he's friends with to get them tickets in the yeah in, like in box, box seats yeah. basically yeah in the primo box yeah and two I'm I could be wrong here you're not wrong about this but don't you want higher seats for Quidditch it all yeah. takes place in the air yeah I could see the slight point of wanting. There's whatever level the hoops are at, which I think are 50 feet high, uh-huh. I think is where they are, like how high the scoring hoops are. You mm-hmm. want to be about that height. Sure, sure, yeah. So I could see if you were all the way, at the, if the stands are 200 feet tall and you're at 200 feet in the air mm-hmm. and the hoops are at 50 feet, most of the action is going to take place in that, but not all of it. It yeah. you'd definitely be better being at a hundred feet than you would be being on the ground. I feel right. Like. I would rather be like looking down yeah. and watching them play than yeah. like staring upwards. It's the not. Whole a, it's time. not an insult that makes a lot of sense no. because the best seats, generally, from what we see in in the in the books, are the high seats right. because you're up there where it's happening. It, it makes sense as an insult in regard to how we perceive yeah. sports yeah. in our world. When they're all played on the ground. But it doesn't make any sense when you put it into the context of yeah. the world of the story. No, no. It's really silly. But they just had to reintroduce, look, the Malfoys are mean. They're rich and they're mean. Yeah, that's all it is. That's yeah. what it's there for. It's a reminder. They're rich, they're mean. In case you forgot or haven't seen the first three movies. And then Fudge in the movie announces himself as Minister for Magic. Yeah, I feel like that happened several times. And that was and a little sure thing that what... I caught and I was like, what are you actually talking about? Minister for Magic? Yeah, I, uh, Minister of Magic, but sure. Um, so then we skip the World Cup. Yeah. It starts. Uh, and then we go right into the riot. Oh, and also this here, and I didn't think I wrote it down, but we also, this is where we realize we're not getting Ludo Bagman. Yeah. Not that he's super important necessarily, but he is an interesting character. Yeah. And then he, he has a red herring storyline with the Weasleys that we think might be going somewhere in the book. Um, and he's the announcer for the World Cup because he's a former Quidditch uh, mm-hmm. champion player for England. Um, and he's the one who does the announcing. And mm-hmm. in this, we see that it's Fudge that... Or at least starts it. We yeah. don't see the match to know if there right. is an announcer or not. But um, but we actually get the play out of the World Cup in the book. Like what happens. Like a play-by-play basically. Yeah. Which is really fun. Um, 
one of the things it skips that I really like is the when they and they show the the is the 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 villa yes well and the the mascots for yeah. each country because it's bulgaria versus ireland ireland and so the villa come out for bulgaria and they're not even in the movie at all it's not yeah mentioned. they erase that entire and the villa are like this race of like uh i assume race is the right word i don't uh they're like almost like species. sirens yes they're like they're, gorgeous yeah women. but they're not like water-based no yeah but they're like gorgeous blonde silver-haired women who like entrance yeah. men, but then also when they t- get upset, turn into like monsters, basically. Kind yeah, of. they turn into like harpy, yeah, banshees type or whatever. Of. Yeah, and so they're the mascots for Bulgaria, and there's some fun with that. And then the leprechauns, who we do see in the movie, kind of with the big yeah, we, there's like a, a brief shot of yeah. them. Um, and they, at one point they end up fighting because there's a hope. So the game gets out of hand at, and at one point and and there's a there starts a fight between the mascots where the leprechauns are like flipping off mm-hmm. the villa and then the villa are throwing fireballs at the leprechauns. And it's like <laughs> that would have been really awesome to see. Yeah. Just a brief moment of it, like a like a quick montage of action from the World Cup and like just some of that nonsense little like. Just a quick few seconds of beautiful women hurling fireballs at leprechauns, <laughs> just so people were like, "What was that?" If they hadn't read the book, and just for the rest of us, so we really enjoy. I, but yeah, but yeah, we I, we lose a lot yes. by cutting that World Cup like almost entirely out. We lose. I mean, the Vila and the leprechaun, I guess, is kind of a smaller. It's a little thing, thing but it's just a fun thing. We also lose, like you said, Ludo Bagman yeah. and Winky the house elf. Yes which has like a domino effect of consequences. Well, here's what they did is they went because the and we'll get this is the big change they made. And it, it comes around here where we can talk about it is that they they axe Winky. Yeah. And they completely change the elements of how Barty Crouch Jr. incorporates. And I mean, it, it's still similar, it's similar, but they, they change I mean, I guess we're to assume he broke himself out of Azkaban. We, yes, because they drop the whole element of him being uh, his like, dad saving him from Azkaban, yeah, essentially. Like smuggling him smuggling out. Smuggling him out because his mom uh, and Barty Crouch Sr.'s wife was so sad and she was also dying. There's a whole storyline with that mm-hmm. that is interesting. And so, yeah, we have to assume he just broke out of Azkaban. Yeah. Which is a little interesting because we've only it's never it. The whole point is that it, it the only person who's ever done it was one serious did mm-hmm. it because the whole animagus thing being a dog is mm-hmm. he explains in the third book. I don't know if he explains it in the movie now. I already forgot, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he, he he broke out and then we have the future breakout of the Lestranges and the other few people. Yeah. But that's because at that point Voldemort's reached his right. power and the Dementors yeah. essentially let him out. I think yeah. is the idea. Uh, if I remember again, we'll get there when we get there. Um. But yeah, so they have to skip Winky, which means that changes the entire. But changes the entire the Dark Mark subplot with yes, the Dark Mark chapter and the entire subplot with Hermione and the how, there's no House of Liberation front, front, which is important. We lose that, which is super important yeah. in building like thematic elements yeah. further on down the line. They dropped a lot of the really important. Um, themes about it, same thing when they get rid of the, and we'll talk about this i have it here actually coming up very very soon about dropping the muggles from the, the with the we'll, we'll get there in two seconds so let's just <laughs> let's just get this next two point uh yeah real quick so they changed and we'll, we're gonna discuss it throughout this because it's such a big change how they changed the whole winky barty crouch all of that is so completely different to how it is in the book 
I don't. And here's what I, here's what I'll say. And I have this late in a later segment, <clears throat> but I'll talk about it here. I really like how the book does it. I like the mystery mm-hmm. of it. I like that it is really convoluted and I don't want to say convoluted. That sounds negative. But complicated. Yeah, and there's a lot of players on the chessboard. Where Barty Crouch is invisible in the press box and steals Harry's wand and uses Harry's wand to cast a dark mark in the sky. Whereas in the movie, it's just Barty with his own wand doing yeah. it. And then so then they think, well, why, who, where did it? Because they find the wand and they do Priori and Cantatum, which is a important element for later. So we know yeah. what that is when it happens at the end of the movie slash book, which they don't explain in the movie <laughs> at all, and, which is very confusing if you've not read the book. And so you see that. And then there's the, some conflict between the mystery trust between ministry officials and Harry and what he's mm-hmm. doing that even sets up at the beginning of the book there and then not having Winky in means we don't have Dobby in which means we don't have the whole house elf element in yes. which is important for the other things so yeah it just changes a lot and we'll probably touch on it numerous times throughout but it's 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 kind of crazy uh, I don't like the, I don't I don't I liked him more this time but I still didn't love the Death Eater robes and masks design it's very clannish which I get, mm-hmm. I get, um, to me, it just looks a little silly. They're almost a little too tall. The The yeah. hoods are a little too tall and conic, like pointy. They're almost more like dunce caps. Yes. Like they just needed to be a little shorter. I, I know, like I said, yes, they're definitely going for a, a clan type. Oh yeah, of, that's for sure the, clan the look, look they're trying to evoke there, which is not incorrect. No, and it's not a bad idea. I'm just saying I, I wish they'd done it slightly differently because yeah. to me they're just the hoods are a little too tall and, and I think they dropped the hoods though somewhat in later movies if I remember correctly because mm-hmm. I think other people were like that looks kind of silly. <laughs> um, I don't uh, hate the masks as much but I still don't love them. They're kind of just like skull mm-hmm. masks. They're kind of cool I guess. I just wish they didn't look like bones. I guess, wish they were like I don't know, more fantasy looking, like they were like mm-hmm. white or something. I don't know. Instead of just looking like actual skulls. But uh, they're all right. I, I I didn't hate them as much as I remembered hating them, but I really don't like the big conical tall dunce hat. It's it's a look. Yeah. For it, sure. It is. And again, we get the what they're going for with the, the sort of symbolism they're evoking, and it yeah. works. It's just eh, not the best execution, in my opinion. So then, what we discussed earlier, the juggling of the muggles. The yeah. muggle juggle. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I think it's really was really a mistake to drop that. E- uh, yeah. I, now I get that they felt like they probably felt like they didn't have time to introduce the Muggles beforehand, so we would know that they were Muggles because mm-hmm. you have to set that up because we get introduced in the book, right? Because the if we don't know they're Muggles, we might like, think whatever, we're, they're, yeah. they're wizards. Yeah, I yeah. Why are they? Yeah, who are these people getting tossed around in the air? Um, but it really illustrates a level of cruelty that isn't in the movie. Just yeah. having them kind of storm around and burn tents down. Like, it's still, it's still a bad, bad situation. But it's, it's not cruel and like, um, and and it doesn't it doesn't get to the theme of inequality and mm-hmm. and sort of superiority and weird. And, the, and if you're evoking the clan, the, the, the sort of idea that these right. people feel they are superior to these other people. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's a problem because you can't evoke something like that in look and in aesthetic yeah. without addressing the deeper issues behind yeah. it in my opinion yeah yeah and then i mean they do touch on it obviously throughout we have that we see draco constantly and and people um saying oh mudbloods and muggles suck yeah. and who cares about muggles and we ah we killed those muggles but we never really see it we see obviously in the beginning of this one we see them kill fred but that's just because he 
walked in on their plan more right. than anything, not because he's a muggle that we were aware of. Like, if a wizard had walked in on Voldemort, yeah, he would have killed, killed him. killed him, too. Um, I mean, maybe they would have tried to get information out of him like they do with Bertha Jorkins, who is also not in this movie. <laughs> um who is an important character in the book. But yeah, so not having them show not showing them torturing muggles, it yeah, it completely cuts the yeah, the what like we said, this the whole point of what you're setting up with this group of wizards who feel they're superiors to human, mm-hmm. hu- quote unquote humans being non-magic humans. Um you, when you don't have that, it's just like okay, they're bad, they're lighting stuff on fire, yeah. fine. And then another big thing, and they kind of show this, I think, but it's hard to tell cuz the, the way the the the, sh- the the way the whole Death Eater thing is shot is so chaotic. Yeah, and we only really get a minute or so yeah. of it. And we only kind of see some vague quick shots of people in hoods and the masks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's made very clear in the book, and I think this is really important because the, the, the fascist overtones of this chapter in particular really stood out to me in a way... In in the current time <laughs> period, uh, that didn't strike me as a twelve year old yeah. or whatever, as a fourteen year old when I read this, when we didn't have a a readily available uh, counter or representation right, in modern world. society, yeah, yeah. real world modern representation. Um, but other wizards that aren't the Death Eaters start joining in with yeah. the mob. Yeah, just like and, your average normal and, bystander yeah. wizard joins in starts walking around with the with the death eaters and like laughing and like hi you know this is fun and and they see what is happening they're aware that these mongols are you know and we say torturing they're not like using crucio on them but they are like flipping them around in midair and like and like making their like like the one of them's like the mom they're like making her dress fall down and like really awful stuff and it it's really important to set up that that implication of that even not it's not just death eaters like it, your yeah, dude this, next to you. This is, it's not a select group of people <laughs> that are evil. that are being evil. Yes, this is a societal ill. This is a societal problem, and yeah. this again, these themes come back more and more and more, and they completely cut the house self liberation front, which is a super important, if not not pivotal to the story. Obviously, it's like a very yeah. not important to the actual story of the book, but it is super important to the whole point of what these the books are trying to get across yeah. and this sort of uh, it, anti-fascist yeah, it's, it's super important to the overall message yeah. of this series yeah but the movie says to hell with that yeah basically and again what are you gonna do when you're gonna cut when you decide you're gonna make it one movie yeah you have to yeah. cut the things that you feel like aren't as important to the story and that yeah i mean it is i think it's more important in the sense that it's it is the whole point <laughs> of like the series to yeah. some extent i mean i I would honestly love to see these remade as a TV series. I think everything should be remade as a TV series, though. You won't get any argument from me. <laughs> Movies are dead. I mean, TV like, if, if the right company or production house could just get a hold of it. Yeah. Uh, you'll get zero argument from me. I think everything should be TV, though. So Yeah. Well, <laughs> it would make this a little harder, though. Yeah, it would. It would. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, uh, that was a big one for me. Uh, not having them torturing muggles is a, is a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, and then on that note, as we talked about earlier, the House Elf Liberation Front, a spew, whatever, it changes names several yeah. times. <laughs> Society for the Protection of Elfish Welfare or something like that. Anyways, it changes several times. It's Hermione's group that she starts because she's outraged. She was kind of unaware of House Elves and that's sort of the, mm-hmm. what their whole thing was until this one when she sees Winky. And how mean and cruel right. Barty Crouch Sr. is to Winky. And this is the first time we've encountered house elves other than Dobby. Yes. 
And we come to understand that Dobby is kind of an anomaly. An anomaly in that he wanted to be free and, yeah. and wants his freedom um, and has terrible owner or quote unquote owners. Yeah. Um, whereas most of the from here on out, we st- most of the households we see like being right. They like or. They like in the sense that they are conditioned to like yes. being uh, servants, <laughs> slaves, essentially, to wizards. Yeah. Um, so, but Hermione, this blows Hermione's mind because she's smart and woke and is like, <laughs> this is a problem. What is wrong with all of you? These are these are living, uh, yeah. you know, um, thinking, feeling, emotional, like cre- these, and are, they these have, are people. And they have they're, their own magic. Too. Yeah, yeah. They are essentially just other creatures that are on the same level as humans, yeah. just different, slightly different. Um, and I think it does explore some really important themes that, again, are also very timely currently of because Hermione is pushing this very uh, sort of, I want to quote unquote radical. It's not really radical, but in the sense that she is like, we have to do something about this. Right. This I is mean, nonsense. It's, it's radical in the sense that none of the other wizards right. think it's a problem. Yeah. They're all just sort of like, yeah, it's just how it right. is. That's, like that's, cause that's the way it's always that's been. The way it's always been. They, they're happy. It's fine. It's whatever, you know? And I think, uh, especially that's exemplified in the relationship between her and Ron to it, because Ron mm-hmm. and Harry both, Kind of, I don't know Ron as much because he's from an old wizarding family where this has just always been the case. Harry agrees. I think in principle, yeah. Harry's like, yeah. But at the same time, he's sort of indifferent to it. He's like, right. eh, you know, because one, to be fair, they're teenagers and it's, yeah. you know. And also, to be fair, Harry's got a lot on his plate. Harry's got a lot on his plate. <laughs> um, but very few other of the other wizards that Hermione runs into are, are remotely interested in her yeah. pushing this thing. And I think it is really illustrates this idea of sort of pushing and continuously pushing for social change versus this like indifferent, like uh moderate, like, yeah, it's fine. Like well, yeah. f- everything's fine. Why are you, why are you making waves? And I think that's an important, mm-hmm. it's an important uh element of the story that is lacking in the movie because they cut that completely. Yeah. And I think it's also very relevant to our current, uh, to current society and uh, some of the arguments people get in online. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really fun little short scene of Stan, Stan Shunpike flirting with Avila. Just a little callback. It would, it would not need to be in the movie. It's no, just, but it would have been funny. Yeah. yeah. But then we would have had to have the Vila. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing this for the first time and being disappointed with the way that the dark mark looked. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I, I think never it looks all right. pictured it like it looks like 3D and kind of odd. To it's me. like clouds. It's yeah. it's or like smoke. Whereas I always imagined it because I think they describe it. I'd have to go back and double check, but I think they describe it as like stars. In, yeah, like in almost book. like a constellation. Yeah, it's come, it comes up like stars. Whereas yeah. this, it comes out kind of like smoke or something, which it looks neat. Uh, I don't hate it, and I actually don't hate it being 3D. I agree, I never imagined it being 3D, but I think the way the tongue moves and stuff, I think it looks kind of cool. I didn't really have a big problem with it. They also, in that scene in the movie, when Harry sees the dark mark, like his scar hurts, which I'm pretty sure does not happen in the book. We're going to double check it. Harry's scar does not hurt. No, right. Which makes sense because Voldemort isn't nearby or doing anything particularly murderous. No. At that moment that we know of, which is when his scar hurts. So, like, why would it hurt just like seeing? I don't. No, there's numerous issues with the dark mark and 
and his scar. Right. And, and, and I, yeah, I just I, I have numerous issues with this way with the way that this movie in particular ignores um, the lore, the rules of, of the this, universe, yeah, the yeah. rules of the universe yeah. for this series. Anyway, and this and this, and this you know, and the and, and the Harry Potter universe, the the universe J.K. Rowling sets up does have pretty uh, reliable. Yeah. And strict rules. Yeah. Even in a world of magic, the rules make sense and stay the same, mostly. I mean, there's a no, occasion. There's, there. you know, there's blips here or there, which, fair. It's hard to invent a whole entire right. world. There's right. going to be little holes here and there. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, this world has very clear rules. Yeah. And those and rules are set just, up in those movies. This movie specifically just kind of like, uh, kind of wings it because they had to cut so much and they're trying to incorporate different elements here and there and they incorporate it very sloppily at times. Mm. Uh, I have this in better in the book. I think it's just more realistic. Yeah, you have it in a later segment and I don't disagree because I, I have I, I think it, it fits in both. Uh, yeah. But uh, when we finally get and meet both the schools, they are uh, uh, Durmstrang and Bo, Bo Battens, as they say in the movie. I always said Bo Batons. So did I, but, but... I, I know, whatever. Um, uh, they're both uh they have boys and girls. They have. Yes. They're not just like an all boys school for Durmstrang and an all girls school. Although, do we ever see any female characters from Durmstrang? But also, while we're on the subject, that weird like dance, pause and sigh thing that <laughs> yeah. that the Poe Patton's girls do. Like, what is that about? Yeah. Movie. It it doesn't. They're they're flirty. Or something like I don't know. Which it's, doesn't even like if the movie had set up Vila's, right? Which it doesn't because that's a whole other thing. Is that Flora is a vi- part Vila? Yeah, Flora Delacour she's is like part one Vila. quarter Vila. But the book, the movie doesn't do that. So then, like, it almost sets it up like it's some kind of weird charm school or something. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure, just to go back on it real quick, I'm not sure that the book ever does specifically mention whether or not Durmstrang has female students. Girls, but they doesn't say they don't either. Just, Fair enough. I don't think it's mentioned. <laughs> At least I couldn't find it. So, uh, Mundungus Fletcher gets a mention in this book, uh, yeah. who becomes a somewhat important minor character in five yeah, and six. Yeah, he's like a, a somewhat important like minor pawn type character yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think he just gets dropped. I could be wrong. It's been so long since I've seen five, six, seven movies. I think he might just get dropped completely from yeah, the movie series. I wouldn't be surprised. But he gets a name drop kind of just as one of those little J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Here's a thing. Remember it. Or <laughs> don't forget thing. about it and then remember. Here's a thing. This will come back later. Yeah, this will come back in a book. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was thought that was interesting. Uh, Moody's Eye. I hate moody's eye in the movie i always have i always will it looks stupid and it looks fake and why does it have a mechanical zoomy zoom that's my biggest problem is the mechanical zoom that it does uh so the book it's very explicitly a magical eye yeah it would not make and in the movie it makes a mechanical zooming noise like on a video camera like yeah we like see it they show it from his perspective A couple of times, and yeah, it makes like a yeah. noise, and I'm yeah. like, what? And it's it's not mechanical; uh, it's magical. Yeah. So why would it make a weird, yeah? And I I mechanical just noise. I always hated that they like strap it to his head with. Here's a, why they did a that thing. 
I don't think that I don't hate the way that looks. Uh, I always thought that was dumb because it's not how it's described in the book. In the book, it is definitely the what I imagine. He just has a slightly larger, yeah, normal. It's, you know, it's like an, an enchanted eyeball. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like strap. It's not like an eye patch situation type thing. Yeah. The reason they did that is that is a it, to me it looks like a practical moving eye. It's not mm-hmm. like CG, so it's like a mechanical remote controlled little eye mechanic right in there and so they needed something to, to be able to put it. that on yeah. his face no i get it i get it from an effects standpoint and that was always kind of what i assumed yeah. was the reason i just think it looks dumb i i i appreciate it in the sense that i they needed they wanted to do it and have it be physical and not be just a cg eyeball um because that potentially could look weird yeah. Um, and so I, I appreciate what they were going for, and I thought they did it in a way that kind of worked. They just should have made it not like a weird mechanical noises. I, I, I would have liked it the way I imagined it in the book, mm-hmm. but for what they were going for and doing it practically, I thought they did an okay job with it, relatively speaking. I don't know. This is kind of a little thing, but it always bugged me when Moody demonstrates the unforgivable curses mm-hmm. for them in the movie. The Imperious Curse, like, makes the spider float around yeah. the room? Yeah. Or maybe that's supposed to be, like, another spell that he's No, I doing? think it's supposed to be the Imperious Curse, but it's not how the Imperious Curse works from yeah. how we understand it. In the movie, yeah, he, he, like, fly... He, like, everywhere he points his wand, the spider just kind of flies around. Yeah. But that's not... In the book it, and and in the movie, ultimately, like, with Crumb, like, it's it's basically just mind control. Like, right. you get somebody with it and you can make them do... Yeah, you make them, like, a puppet, basically. And you, and you can make them do things that they couldn't physically do, but not, like, fly. Like, there's a right. line about Neville doing, like, backflips or handsprings or something like that yeah. because... And this is they don't do in the movie, which I thought was a little disappointing, uh, in the book. <laughs> uh, although I have it, it, my own issues with it in the book. In the book, uh, Moody... Crumb Moody, or not Crumb, uh, Crouch Moody uh, uses the Imperious Curse on the students yeah. to like train them uh, how to resist it, basically. Uh, and there's some really fun scenes or interesting scenes with that of like Harry is able to throw it off completely. And I was like, you know, despite Crouch being a terrible person and being the, res- you know, bringing Voldemort back and all, he gives them a pretty good fucking he, training. He does. I mean,. Yeah, for all that, he gives him a pretty solid year of education. He really does. And I was blown away. I'm like, you know, he's doing a really good job preparing all these kids to fight against Voldemort in a year, you know, a couple (laughs) years from now. Like, this is the best defense against the Dark Arts class they have ever had. Hell, he gives, and I had it in a later note, but he gives Harry the idea to be an Auror. Yeah. He's like, oh, Potter, you should become an Auror. You know, he's a method actor. Yeah, yeah. Crouches. So he got got really into the moody role. I was just like, he, he literally gives Harry and Hermione the idea. I think Hermione ultimately doesn't become an or. I can't remember from Cursed Child, but um, <laughs> I can't write. You know, it always <laughs> comes up. Um, but yeah, uh, he gives Harry the idea to become an or. And I was like, man, you really like I get that you're deep cover, but like you didn't have to be that good at your yeah, job. Right? <laughs> you didn't have to like get all these kids ready to defeat you in battle like two years from now. Uh, so Fred and George, when they put their name in the goblet, uh, that scene's in the movie um, mm-hmm. because they think they can trick Dumbledore's age line with a aging potion yes. because they're only like a month or two young or something yeah. like that. They're both like turned 17 in a month. So they use a little bit of potion. Um, and in the movie, it's portrayed that they jump in across the line and nothing happens. And they're like, yeah. And then they put their names in the goblet. And then the goblet's like, nope, screw you. 
And I have a huge problem because with that, again, because that's not how it works. It's not the point. That's not how it works. It's like movie. You didn't pay attention to what, like, but, right? We're once again we're ignoring the, the rules. rules that <laughs> yes. have already been established. Because if it's the cup that rejects yeah. Fred and George for being, being too, too young, young, then why would it accept Harry's name? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could kind of hand wave it away with that. Crouch bamboozled it so hard that it didn't even realize that he they were he was too young. But that's not what happens. The yeah. idea is that the reason the line is there is, is to keep anyone under seventeen from crossing. Yes, because if you did get to the cup and get your name in, it would pit like because it doesn't have the the implication I got from the book is the cup doesn't have any rules about age. Right. This is the same cup they've been using forever, yes. and this is the first time they've had an age limit. Yeah, the age limit is. Ex- exclusively imposed by Dumbledore and the ministry and all Mm -hmm. that. And so the age line that Dumbledore draws is the thing that keeps that from happening. If you somehow did manage to bamboozle the age line, you could put your name in the goblet and it might pick you. Yeah. Is how it plays in the book. But yeah, they put their name in the movie and then they get kicked out and then they start fighting with each other, which whatever, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I like in the book, they, uh, everybody starts laughing at them because they grow beards and then, Fred and George being the jokesters and the and the fun loving guys they are just start laughing at each yeah. other and themselves, which makes way more sense which makes way more sense than them like wrestling and like oh you said it would work oh it's like all right okay two pages out of sixty <laughs> <laughs> strap in oh kids. boy is it gonna be a bumpy ride it's gonna be a bumpy ride. I can't I'm not even gonna try to do that 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 accent from the the shrunken head from the third oh god. Just put the clip in. Yeah. No, don't tell me. It's going to take too long to edit already. Stop adding things. <laughs> uh, so I, when 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 we do meet Cr- uh, Victor Crumb eventually uh, in the movie, I never envisioned him from his description in the book. And I think this is explicitly the point and on purpose. Uh, he's in the movie. He's a very handsome man. Oh, yeah, he's, he's like a he's model. Pretty cute. And 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 very like uh, like stoic and like badass mm-hmm. and like. You know, when he walks into the hall, he's like, like when they when he walks into the great hall when they're introduced or whatever, he's like very imposing. Yeah. And that is the opposite of his description in the book. He's yeah. only imposing when he's on the broom. He's only impressive when he's playing Quidditch. He's kind of like they describe him as like duck footed and slouchy and like not particular like the drawing of him. He's not particularly there's, yeah, there's a, a do- picture heading of the chapter. And he's not particularly handsome. Yeah, and they don't describe him as particularly handsome either. No. They say he has like a like a, a big, big nose, nose yeah. and like like really sallow skin, yeah. and he's kind of on the skinny side. Yeah, I think like they he's kind of small, and, yeah. and he's not imposing, but he's just really good at Quidditch, and that's why everybody is attracted to him because the, the girls do fawn all over him in the mm-hmm. book, like they do in the movie. Um, but it's not because he looks like a supermodel. It's because right, he's, he's the best Quidditch he's player in the world. He's famous and he's talented. And he's very talented. Um, and also, yeah, and so I thought that was a, I mean, I guess I get what they were going for. And then also it helps if, to sell tickets to maybe if. You, yeah. Ooh, crumbs so handy. I don't know. I But, you know, or posters or something. Who knows? I, you but, know, I had actually a similar but kind of opposite thought about Floor. Because, oh, yeah. Which, and I guess, I guess it doesn't really matter since they never set up the thing Avila. about the Vila. Yeah. So she's not, I guess, not a Vila in the movie. But I, the actress who plays her is very pretty. Yeah, it's uh, Clemens Posey. I think that's her name. But in the book, she's like otherworldly. Well, yeah, because she's part Vila. Yeah. She's like legitimately like 
her yeah her hair is, is like silver i think they yeah. say and or well it's blonde but it's like silvery blonde and yeah she's described as like otherworldly beautiful and yeah she's just pretty in the movie she also doesn't talk like ever which yeah. she does well in they the kind of assassinated more. her character yeah, but we we'll, we'll get there yeah uh, i like i wish they'd included ron having the mini crumb figurine just because i thought that would have been interesting yeah it would have been even just an easy little thing to add because when they go to the Quidditch World Cup, they buy Ron buys a little miniature walking. Mm-hmm. I guess it talks. I don't know. Uh, um, miniature of Victor Crumb, um, which I think would be interesting to have that end moments. And there's a moment too later when after Crumb goes to the ball with Hermione, Ra or Harry finds like the broken in half arm of the Victor Crumb so figurine <laughs> laying under Ron's like, bed. <laughs> yeah. Can the figurine feel that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I wish they'd included it because it's just a little thing that I thought was really interesting and fun because I love the we'll get to it. But there's some other mini things that I thought were really yeah. good. OK, the big moment so, that everybody talks about. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time no, on this. Everybody has broken this down. But we have to at, we have least, to at least mention it. it. The most egregious misdelivery of a line. Yeah. Possibly of all time. Yes. In an adaptation, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Of a book. Yeah. I, I can't even I, do it justice. I, I can just I'll this one I'll put in. Yeah, just put it put it in. Just put it in. All right, you put your name in the cupboard of fire. He asked calmly after that line that you just heard. <laughs> he like flies across the yeah. room and tries to strangle him. I remember as it was seeing that in theaters and being like one of the first times in my life realizing that I understood characterization and was like Wait a second. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That Dumbledore would never do that. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like it it doesn't fit him at all. But I mean it's another way that this movie by and large ignores what the books have already yeah. created. Like yeah. not just the rules of the universe, but very well established characterizations. Yes. Yeah, and even within the like I said, it was in the book. It says yeah. he asked calmly. Like that. yeah, it's literally the same line, just calm. Yeah, you literally the exact word for the exact same line. And yeah, there's a million internet memes about it because everybody agrees. But it's just <laughs> wow, it is really uh, interesting that they would fail, and that's that mainly falls on the director. I mean, the actor, unless the actor, I mean, the director has the say in that. Yeah, there are so many people involved that could have been like. Like or because I I would imagine a director said no I want I want energy I want fear I want, from you I, I want, want fire anger. I yeah. want passion <sighs> okay yeah, that's, uh, all right because I think a lot of people put that on Mike and and I understand why because he you know he's not Richard Harris he's not our Dumbledore yeah but so a lot of people put that on Michael Gambon but I don't think that's on him he he had I I think he does a relative from these uh, three and four that we've watched now. Going back and rewatching them, I think overall he does a pretty good mm-hmm. Dumbledore. I just think there are moments that are off. Yeah. Like there are just moments that are off. Yeah. Um, and I really think Richard Harris, had he even been alive for the later ones, I think he would have had a tough time doing the fiery business Dumbledore mm-hmm. because he was as old as he was. I think it would have been tough for Richard Harris to pull off the Dumbledore we see in the final chapter of this book. Or in the next book, yeah, and the sixth book, like that would have been tough for him. So I, I think it was kind of. I think Gambin does an okay job, but boy, some of those moments. Well, no, and I think you're right. I think that falls more on the shoulders of the director. Because even if he had 
done it that way initially, Michael Gambon, the yeah. director, should have been like, let's reel it back. Well, and the way it's shot, there's no way that the actor could have just done that. Yeah. Because it's shot in a way that they the camera moves with them like it. That was planned like that. The movement and the yelling and that was all you can't just that's not a surprise thing. That's not like a slight inflection difference in how you're doing. You know right. what I mean? Like that's a known quantity the way they filmed it. So that was the director, how the director wanted it. So there you go. That's our take on the most contentious. <laughs> um. Of all the Harry Potter mo- movie <laughs> moments, maybe. I think there's worse moments in this movie, honestly. Well, there's not worse. There's a dumber <laughs> moment in this movie. It's just that's as far as character wise goes, that's yeah. pretty stupid. Um, so uh, Sirius, when he uh, sticks his head in the fireplace and talks to mm-hmm. Harry, uh, it looks kind of cool. In this movie, I yeah, think. I see what they were going for with like trying to make it look like the coals. The coals, and they change it in a later movie. They change the visual look in the next uh-huh. one. I don't. I I just explicitly remember they changed how it looks. I don't remember what they change it to. But the thing I thought was interesting, or but I don't like it overall. I, I don't, in the I don't movie like it either. At all. I like. I again. I think it looks kind of interesting, but I. I it's not what it, one. It's not what I imagined. Two. I think it changes. It, not only not what I imagined. It changes the performance of the scene in a very strange way. Mm-hmm. So it, the way I always imagined it from the book, basically the head just appears in the fire, and this actually yeah. isn't the first time we see this happen. It happens uh, in the third or even earlier in this it book, happens earlier in this book that one of the other ministry officials uh amos yeah, Diggory, yeah. sticks his uh sh- head shows up in the weasley's fireplace at the borough um and it, it's described as just a head floating in the fire basically right. like i always imagined it as just their head floating in the flames kind of just like yeah, magically floating yeah. in the flames because and part of the reason is that is because in the scene with amos diggory molly weasley scrabs toast in tongs and sticks it in his mouth i love that yeah it's a great moment and he takes the toast with them as he goes so i always imagine basically is you take flu powder you throw it in the fire and then you stick your head in i think that stick, is because yeah. we see harry do oh, that yeah, in that is right five, we just see it later don't i think we? so i'm yeah. pretty sure that is the way that works but yeah i really did not enjoy the coal face no well and thing. here's the yeah and the thing about me or to me that really bothers me is that it changes Sirius's delivery because they made mm-hmm. it like this weird strained thing where he's like Harry Yeah, they made it like it's so weird. Like it almost sounds like they wanted it to sound like he was trying to talk with cold yeah. in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it and it and it changes the delivery of all uh-huh. the lines in a weird way where and I guess part of it was on purpose because it sounds slightly more sinister and he is telling Harry like Karkaros was a death eater, yeah. blah blah blah. Kind of sinister stuff. Like you gotta look out. But it just it feels it I feels odd and another like an issue, a big issue that I have with the whole the way that that whole thing was presented is that it makes it hard for you to tell that it's serious. Yeah, that's yeah. Like it doesn't really look like him and it doesn't sound like him at all. No, And, you know, it is because Harry got the note. But if you miss the note somehow of him saying, yeah, uh, you'd be like me in the fire. Oh, who go, is this? Yeah. <laughs> who is this fireplace demon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you have this. I disagree. So the, the ferret scene in the movie. It happens at a completely different part. It, it does. It one, happens but. at a completely different time. But I don't I just don't I don't think it was as good as it was in the book. And I, part of that, I think, was because he wasn't actually slamming. He wasn't bouncing. But that you know why that's for is because the PETA people for animal rights people. Being, yeah, I get it. No, that's yeah, that's, I get it. But yeah, was that a real ferret? No, but regardless, the I, I think they I, I think regardless the idea of 
and I can understand it. It can be ups- it could be upsetting, even if it's yeah. It, clearly, it's a CG ferret, but yeah. seeing a CG ferret bouncing off the pavement, squeaking yeah, to yeah. kids, I could see Fair. being upsetting. And I'm not necessarily sure I would want to see it. it. It in the in the context of what's happening, you get it, and you know it's not really it's Malfoy, and it's not really hurting him, you know. But like, I mean, it kind of is. But like, he's <laughs> Malfoy. He fucking deserves it. Um, but like. Yeah, I, I can see why they changed it. And I, I, I actually have this in a later segment because I, I thought they did a pretty I mean, good job with fine. it. fine. I just like it in the book better. And another thing that I liked in the book better about that scene was that um, Moody specifically mentions that he knows Malfoy's father. And I he says it in the movie. He does. He say it in the movie. They take a line that Ludo or that Rita Skeeter says. Oh, about making his hair curl. About yeah, Ludo Bagnage. In the book, she says that to somebody, Hermione or somebody, about Rita says, I know things about Ludo Bagman that can make your hair curl or something. Not yeah. that it needs it or something like that. I think she says it to Hermione. Yeah. And uh, they give it to Moody, and he says that to Malfoy. As he's turning away, he said, and it might be like an 80-yard line, because you don't really see him yeah. say it. He just goes, Malfoy goes, I know things about your dad that would make your hair curl or skin, whatever. But I think it was better in the book. I don't disagree. Um, he says, like, uh, I know your father of old. Yeah. Or something. And yeah. then, but then he also, when he this says the head of house is Snape, he says, like, oh, another old friend. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. There's moment, there are little parts of it in the book that are missing in the movie that are really good. But I thought the scene overall, we'll talk about later. I thought it. Okay. Uh, Hermione, they completely cut this. And we. I think I know why. Uh, but in the book, there's a moment where uh, there's a confrontation between Draco and Harry and Ron mm-hmm. and Hermione's there and they try to curse e- Harry and Draco try to curse each other and they like bounce off the wall. I don't, yeah. it doesn't even remember. But anyways, uh, Hermione gets hit in the face with a uh, Angorgio spell and her teeth start blowing up really big. Yeah. Her front teeth, which are already established as rather large. They're large to begin with. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're desc- as described in the book, they're not in the movie. Right. Um, really. Like, uh, Emma Watson's teeth are not particularly they're pretty large. normal. They're pretty, yeah. Average size. But in the, mo- in the book, they're described as... Uh, big to begin with and they start blowing up really really big and then snape's ridiculously cruel which we're gonna have to ultimately talk about snape i snape rereading this i have real issues with snape he i don't like him anymore snape i i have real problems i don't don't know if this is the right place to really get into snape but snape and now that the series is over, has been romanticized. Yes, in a way that is in a problematic. way that is very problematic. Holy because shit! He is—he's an abuser. He is unbelievably cruel to a group of children. Yes, it is ridiculous. Yeah, the romanticization that might be the biggest crime of this fucking series is that Snape has been turned into this like superhero. Yeah, he is not. He's a <laughs> selfish no. asshole, like who just did the right thing because he fucking loved a woman. Like, okay, I, yeah, it's not the place, but we we need to get into that. I no, yeah, I, I think we're better served yeah, discussing that more later. Later, time, but maybe in yeah, like a prequel he, episode. Or he something. is unbelievably cruel. Yeah, like in a in a way that's not portrayed in the movies, and yeah. I think that they had they dropped very much on purpose because if you saw a grown adult treating kids the way he does in the book. You'd be like, it would seem unreal because it yeah. seems unreal to me at times reading the books. Like, because in that moment when her teeth start growing really big, her teeth grow with like they describe it as like like uh, you know down past her chin or something yeah. like that. 
and they say, look, uh, Malfoy cursed Hermione or he started it or whatever. Look and points at Hermione and Snape goes, I see no difference. Yeah. Like, it's a child. That is a child and you're a grown ass man. Like, holy Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, we'll get to it. So anyways, so she gets her teeth uh, blown up really big, but then she goes up to Madame Pomfrey and Madame Pomfrey shrinks them back down and Hermione uh, coyly yeah. just lets her go a little further than she was going to so that she shrinks them and then they kind of end up she ends up with like perfect teeth basically yeah. is the idea um which plays into the whole yule ball thing later uh this is when we kind of touched on earlier but crumb is not an idiot in the book yeah which he is in the movie because they even say at one point like moody says uh that crumb's got a head full of sand but karkaroff doesn't and that's yeah. not the description yeah, they, they do they make him into like a dumb jock yeah, they turn him into a dumb jock and he's movie, not which is also character assassination now that yeah. i'm thinking about it yeah, and but, it just simplifies them in a way that's I don't think yeah, necessary. No, um, and and it also makes no sense then that Hermione would be into him because I don't think if he's not if he's just like a dumb jock, right? That he's portrayed as in the movie as in the movie. There's no reason that Hermione would go to the ball with him, right? Because she really does like him. She does. I mean, to some extent. Now there we get. She also is like eh, towards the end of the book realizes she doesn't. She's yeah, not super into him, but you know. She does like him and then wants to go to the ball with him. And they they like at the ball, they're like in deep conversation together. And they, they seem to really like each other, at least to some extent. And that wouldn't make any sense in the movie if he's just like a dumb guy. Right. Like Hermione wouldn't go for that. And that's actually how they hit it off. And he asks her out is because they're both in the library all the time. Because Crumb is studying for the Triwizard <laughs> Tournament all the time. In the first challenge in the movie, Hermione reminds Harry to use his wand. Like what? I don't. I. Um... I, I don't know. Is that supposed to just remind us that he has a wand? So I he's like, know. yeah, he, he I guess the idea is that he gets confronted with the dragon and his like he just like reflexes of like survival kick in and he's like dodging behind rocks and stuff. But she goes, Harry, your wand. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Wait, what? Because in the book, they've been he knows it's dragons. He knows what he needs to do is summon his firebolt. They've been practicing summoning for like the last week or, or a yeah. couple days or something, yeah. basically, to like get it perfected. And so he walks out into the thing, sees the dragon across the arena, and then immediately summons his, his broom and it sits there like, I hope it's coming. I hope, I hope it worked. <laughs> um, which, yeah, they just wanted some more action beats in there, which, uh, all right. I don't love, and speaking of the dragon, I don't love the giant. I understand why they added this big set piece with the dragon. It's the first task. It's a dragon. You mm-hmm. you, you want to get some mileage out of that. So they have him chase Harry everywhere all over the castle but i think it's just kind of weird because it like destroys a bunch of the tower and like like it's like climbing on the roof mm-hmm. like ripping f- tiles and i guess it's magic they can fix it probably pretty easily um i actually had that in a different segment i know i, I just but I, I get what you're saying it's just in the book i like the very strategic element of what harry's trying to do he knows he needs to get the egg he goes like kicks when he gets on his broom he immediately kicks from like scrambling like scared mode into like playing quidditch basically yeah and like is in his element and he he figures out strategically okay i need to weave this way and that oh the dragon won't leave its nest okay i'm gonna slowly tempt it away by flying around like this and then when as soon as it leaves i'm gonna take off and go Mm -hmm. grab the egg the other thing that makes no sense to me is that he gets the dragon chases him away why doesn't he just immediately turn back around and go grab the egg i don't know and there's a couple things 
like in that scene that like and then like it doesn't make sense like later on when he falls off onto the roof and like he can't reach his broom and i'm like why wouldn't you just akio firebolt again maybe he doesn't did he drop his wand i don't know it, but it is fun. Like yeah. that's the thing with the. Yeah. It is a fun scene. Like it's it's woo. It's thrilling or whatever. But yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's action. I I get why they did it. Yeah. Uh, but but speaking of, did does the Hungarian Horntail just die? Yeah, in right. The movie? Like, does he kill that dragon? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not like he killed it. It was chasing him and hit a bridge. I mean. <laughs> and fell into a into a deep abyss and never to be seen again. That we know of. That's what I mean. Yeah, I was. I didn't thought of that the first time but we were watching that. And I was like, did that? We did you were, that dragon just did died? it just die? Because we don't see it again after Harry yeah. comes back up from the the foggy abyss of the chasm or whatever. But I was like, maybe he killed that dragon. All right. Well, that's right. dark. Speaking of dangerous beasts, yeah, no blast ended scroots. I th- that's one I, where you could have <laughs> just had them. Just yeah. in the background yeah. or just something. Just throw them in there for a minute. They could have put one in the maze, but we'll talk about, yeah, the, we'll maze talk about the maze later. Oh, boy. But yeah, just just put them in there somewhere just for a second. Yeah. They're so, they're, they show up in the book so much. Like, well, and that's like a conceivable thing where they could have put it in there and it would have been like a thing like for people who hadn't yeah. seen the book or yeah. hadn't read the book like... Oh, a mythical creature of some sort. But yeah. then people who had read it would be like, hey. Well, it's screwed. It's cool. But yeah, no. it's completely not. Well, and we get like very few classes, which yeah. I get. We the Triwizard Tournament takes up the bulk of the movie. Yeah. Um, but like we get none of the Caramagical creatures classes. Um. Uh. And since we cut the House Elf Liberation front, they never visit the kitchens, which I mm-hmm. thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And the way the the tables or the way the kitchens work with the house elves, where they have like mirrors of the tables below the great yeah. hall and they put the food on the tables below and then it transports it, like, magic up magically transports up yeah. to the table. I thought it was neat. Um, and, and then we also don't get to see Dobby then, which I think is a mistake yeah. because I guess we, do we see him again in five? Do we not see him again till six? Because that's the thing. That's the problem. Coming I mean, back to him. Probably do in the book, but I don't know about the movies. Well, yeah, sorry. That's what I mean in the movies, because yeah. obviously there's the big moment with Dobby in the sixth book or seventh book. Seventh, sorry. Yeah. So I guess he might show up in six. I don't know. We'll have to I see. I don't know. Yeah. But we'll find um, out. if we don't see him in any movie up until 7.1 again. I feel like they needed to put him in one of them just to kind of remind us who Dobby is and why we care about Dobby. Yeah. And in this one, it's really good because Dobby has a lot of good, really good, fun character moments with with Ron um, Mm -hmm. and and with Winky. That's really interesting. And just he's also just very endearing in this one. You know, the few times he is. I love he Dumbledore basically hires him and gives him a job and pays him at Mm -hmm. uh, Hogwarts because it's one of the few places that will like pay a house elf if they want it. And he goes, and, and, and Dobby says that Dumbledore even says I can insult him. He says I can even call him a Barbie, Barbie old codger if I liked. And it's just it's super <laughs> adorable the way he like says it, and then he like ooh like he feels like naughty about saying it. But I just yeah, it's, it's really like endearing a, it's moment. It's like a little kid saying a swear word. Yeah, like, yeah. Ooh. And it's just it's one of those little things that I think would really add a lot to the emotional punch of when Dobby does ultimately die. Yeah. To have a little moment like that. That just makes it's a little thing you remember about Dobby that makes it that much more impactful mm-hmm. later. So I, I yeah. Nigel isn't a fucking character. <laughs> Who is Nigel? <laughs> it's a generic British name. So there's a kid in the movie who just shows up and is like wants Harry's autograph at one point and kind of shows up a couple more times. 
and his name's Nigel and he's in Gryffindor. And now I guess there could be a first year or something named Nigel who we never meet. But just make it uh, the younger Creevy brother. Yeah. Why would it not be Dennis Creevy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why would it not just be Dennis Creevy? I don't. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. Because you don't necessarily have to reintroduce him. Just have them say Dennis instead of Nigel. Yeah. And then yeah. it's another yeah. little yeah. thing just for say book readers. Like what? <laughs> I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. It makes no sense. Again, we, we talked about the we, we, Weasley Wizarding Wheezes uh, is what their yeah. sort of joke shop um, is called. But there's they also have some canary creams, which would have been fun to see at one point, which are probably closest to the what we saw in the third film where they like eat the candy and it makes them like roar like little tigers yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But this actually turns them into canaries when they right. eat it. And like the book completely cuts the whole subplot the with or yeah, the movie. Gosh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> The movie completely cuts that whole subplot with Fred and George working on their on their, on joke, their joke shop, shop. which would, but it does come back in the movies later. We see them open their joke yes. shop. I'm pretty sure yes. if I remember correctly. But yeah, the setup for that is in this one, which we'll get to even more later. Um, so there's a really weird moment yeah. in the movie where uh, Hagrid is with uh, Madame Maxine. 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 Maxime. It's an M, I think. And she, like, plucks something out of his beard and eats it. Yeah. And we don't even know. I'm not even... I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a bug or food. Like, leftover food. I don't know. But either way, it's weird. It was weird. And it was, like, totally ignored her character. Because she's supposed to be, like, very refined. She's very refined. She's a lady. Yes. Um, and, and, and in fact, it, and they completely cut the whole sub story or subplot with her and her giantess, um, yeah, with her and Hagrid discussing their partial their giant heritage, parentage. parentage. Um, and she's very, uh, she doesn't want to admit that she is yeah. because of the, all of the discrimination that yes. giant, uh, giants face and people who are descended from giants face. So she doesn't want to admit it. And, but Harry Hagrid tells her, you know, my, uh, my mom was a, a giant, um, or part giant. Or, yeah. You know, whatever um and it becomes an important thing later for what happens in the fifth book between the two of them right um but they just drop that all completely and just right. kind of leave the romance of their relationship they in drop that all but then they have her eat something out of his beard which is so weird because it's like it, it plays up like this weird like she's like like it's an animalistic thing yeah like and i'm it, like if that's supposed to be what that is that is racist yeah it really is it is in the sense that like it, it, yeah it's very strange that like yeah look she's a giant she's part giant so she just fucking picks bugs so she, out yeah of she's like an animal ha yeah. ha ha Get it? it's and it, again it goes against the, kind of yeah the whole it goes of, against like that core message yeah <sighs> of these books i don't understand this movie i don't know man i don't know uh the patel twins are in different houses in the books they're they're in uh yeah padma's in uh or no parvati's in gryffindor and padma is in ravenclaw Ravenclaw. but they're just both in gryffindor i think in this or like they're she's just like hanging out in the wrong common room i don't know possibly this movie just ignores everything that's (laughs) already been pre-established so who knows yeah they even mentioned that in the books at one point because they're talking about, well, like, don't all siblings get into the same house? And they're like, no, the Patel twins ended up in Ravenclaw and Gryffindor. Yeah. And they're twins, so. Here's the thing that doesn't make any sense. Rita Skeeter's article about Hermione being like a... A, floozy. a, floozy. a scarlet a woman, as Ron scarlet says. Woman. Um, and like having flirtations with both Harry and Crumb, supposedly. 
except that that happens in the movie before they go to the ball together yeah and before the second task and i'm like why would she have printed that 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 point but also like nothing ever comes of that in the movie no nothing ever comes of it because yeah she saw they 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 get the picture of hermione hugging harry and that's like the picture that's on the cover of the story but right. there's nothing we haven't seen at this point anything between Hermione and Crumb yeah we would... haven't had any indication of that yet no at that point in the movie so it doesn't no. make any sense no, no. And again that almost felt like adding something for I guess just to have Rita in to some extent they needed her to have yeah. something to do even though they cut a big chunk of yeah. her story too but the other thing that they cut from that though it's a little thing but I thought was interesting is that Hermione gets hate mail which I yes, was, she gets hate mail from just like random people uh, who read the story and like send her like uh, undiluted boba tuber pus and stuff. So yeah. she like breaks and, like, out, howlers with, like, and... yeah, and howlers and and I love too that Mrs. Weasley, even though she knows Mrs. Weasley knows Rita Skeeter is a liar and like a notorious liar because mm-hmm. she prints a bunch of bullshit about the ministry. And and Miss Weasley, since Arthur works at the, at the ministry, knows like that's bullshit. She still buys yeah. slightly, and she knows Hermione. And she knows Hermione. She still buys the story about Hermione and Harry and and Crumb because she she sends. Or there's two elements of it, but one is that she sends them all Easter presents. Yeah, and she sends Hermione like a tiny little egg, and the rest of them get like giant Easter baskets or whatever. <laughs> And, and and Hermione's like, your mom doesn't read Rita Skeeter, does she? And then later, uh, when because Molly's completely cut from this movie, which is disappointing. Yeah. I think yeah. it, there's some really important elements in the book that sort of cement her and Harry's relationship that are just completely cut from the movie. Um, but also when she shows up at the end of the book, uh, she's being very cold to Hermione. Mm-hmm. And, and at one point, Harry's like, explains, he's like, you're, you're, you know that that was all bullshit, right? And she's like, of course. But then like, yeah. She's fine with Hermione after that. Uh, but I, and I think that's an important element, too, though, because it kind of shows that even people who know better yeah, and can who be are smart can buy into that Emotionally kind of bullshit. Emotionally buy into yeah. bullshit, yeah. Fake news, as it were. <laughs> it's also topical also and relevant. Also topical. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Uh, I like that in the book. So Ron gets the I, uh, Ron gets the same uh, awful dress robes in the movie in the book, mm-hmm. uh, and we see him in the movie. I like in the book that he tries to he uses a spell to try to trim off all the lacy parts. Yeah, and it's described as like, well, at least it's not lacy now, but it's like kind of tattered and not like yeah, didn't do a like good fraying. job. Yeah, but I like that moment. I wish they would have shown that without even showing him doing it. Just show him have them on. Like try them on and they're all lacy everywhere. Yeah. And then when it cuts down and they're at the ball, just without the lace, but they're kind of you know you don't even yeah, have to they, show them like, doing. They kind of look like hacked up. Yeah, I, I would like that and not even comment on it. Just yeah, keep going and because again, that's a little thing for book readers. We know what he did, but also I just to me it's a little thing because I thought that moment was such the perfect desperate thing that a fourteen year old going to a dance yes. would do. Like yes. oh god, I have to do something <laughs> about this. I'll cut the lace off with like quickly and clumsily cut the, you know what I mean? I just think it's like a perfect, it's a moment where you can tell that JK Rowling really understands the mind of teenagers and remembers (laughs) what that was like. And the movie just doesn't have it at all. And it's like, all right, fine. Um, so we finally here, we've made it to the Yule ball. Oh God. We're Um, almost halfway done. Uh, Movie-wise, I totally get giving Hermione like a grand entrance. Yeah, right. Like she gets an, an entrance. She gets she gets in the she movie. gets in years before its time, she gets Belle coming down the grand yeah, staircase. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. I get it. But 
I also really enjoy yeah. in the book uh, yeah. that they don't even they fucking don't recognize, recognize her. her. It's a great line where Harry uh, Harry says he saw Crumb come in from the Durmstrang ship with some pretty brunette girl that he didn't recognize. Yeah, and I just think that's a great. I would they could have done that in the movie and still given her the the bell walking down the steps moment. Yeah, they could have just had a moment where we saw him kind of walk through the periphery or something where mm-hmm. and and she's changed enough where we don't you might not notice and then you know i don't know how they would have done it but i think they could have done it um somehow because it's a great moment in the book that, yes. yeah they don't even recognize her i like this is a little thing and again i don't know how they would necessarily incorporate this but in the book dumbledore mentions the room of requirement he doesn't do it by name but he's at the yule ball he's discussing how the castle did, yeah. with somebody. I can't even remember yeah, who it is. He says like he doesn't know all of Hogwarts. Yeah, secrets. secrets yeah. And, and he says he was looking for a restroom and he was couldn't find or he needed really needed to go to the bathroom and he was going through the halls and he found he just stumbled across a room that was nothing but chamber pots. And then when he tries to go back he can't to find, find it, it again, he can't find it. So, so it's the room yeah. of requirement before we know what before the room we know of what requirement the room of requirement is. is. Yeah. Um also at the ball. Parvati mentions that she yeah. doesn't think Mad-Eye Moody's magic eye should be allowed. Yeah. I uh, agree. <laughs> yeah. it's Because in the book, what happens is he, uh, Harry got uh, a, a Christmas present from Dobby that are like silly socks. Mm-hmm. And Mad-Eye comments on his socks through his, he can see Harry's socks yeah, through his he, robes. Like, He's like, his... nice socks, yeah. Potter. And Parvati's like, Parvati's like, that's fucking weird. It is. It, it is, is really it is. weird. Especially in a school with like a bunch of a underage bunch of 11 kids. to 17 like, year old weird. kids. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I was like that. I hadn't thought about it, but that is fucking weird. <laughs> Especially since he's not actually mad at yeah, Cody. He's, he's like a, a gross creeper. creeper, dude. 100%. He was just, yeah. Ugh, ugh. It's unfortunate. Um. And we talked about Madame Maxine denying her uh, giant heritage in the book. And I think that yeah. it was important that the, they could have somehow included that in the movie at all to to just like, feed more like, into the themes about non-human. There's bias. enough like weird, like kind of m- almost mentions of it that I almost feel like there's maybe some stuff that got cut. I wouldn't be surprised where it was in the movie more, yeah. but it ended up being like just kind of. A thing that goes nowhere. Yeah, and so they didn't know what to do with it, and they need, they were like, "We'll just cut it for time." And then, the, yeah. but they still wanted to leave the whole slight su- romantic subplot between them in, kind of just as lighthearted moments, because that's really all we get is like the little, like we get the weird quirky moments, but we yeah. don't get any of the rest of it in the movie. Which, yeah. So this, I didn't realize that I didn't notice this. There's a scene where Harry has another dream flashback. I guess it's like a he remember. I don't know. He has another nightmare, but it's the mm-hmm. same opening scene. From of uh, and in the movie, it's Wormtail, Barty Crouch Jr., and Voldemort mm-hmm. at the house. And Voldemort in this scene, in this moment, says, "Let me see it again," or something like that. Let me, I will, let me see it again. And Barty Crouch or or Wormtail, one of the two, puts out their dark mark, and he and Voldemort goes, "Ah, yes, the time is close." And again, this is what we talked about earlier. What is the movie? What does the movie think a dark mark is? What is that? What is the, what is that? Cause, okay. Try to explain this. So the dark mark is Voldemort's sign that he, that he puts on all of his or that they put on whatever. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like a magical tattoo. It's a magical tattoo that all of his followers have. And he can use it to summon them mm-hmm. by, uh, if he touches it. Yes. He can summon them, uh, like basically 
calls out to all of them and goes, come to this location wherever he touched it, basically, is what it seems like. And it's also the sign they shoot into the sky yeah. to when they, like, killed. It's the it's, burning it's cross. It's calling of the, card, yeah. It's the burning cross in the parallel yes. to the Ku Klux Klan. Um, but so he, he sees the dark mark in this scene and goes, ah, yes, it's close. I assume what he means is that it's getting darker. Yeah. But that but relationship is backwards. He's the one who makes it darker. Him gaining power and becoming and getting closer to being back is a reason that they're getting darker. And it's not yeah. getting darker because it's closer to his time to come like that. They had the movie has that relationship backwards. I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't I had don't. never remembered that line. And it stood out to me so vividly as like, wait a second. That literally makes no like, yeah, you clearly don't understand the rules of what this of, of what that is, of what's going on here. If you think Voldemort would look at the dark mark and go, ah, yes, we're close. Like it's some sort of like egg timer. Like. <laughs> Like, what do they think that dark mark is? I and again, know. this comes back later with at right, the end of the movie. There's an even weirder moment even weirder. at the we'll end get of to the it. movie. But yeah, I don't think the movie knows what a dark mark is. It's so strange. I, uh, it was so strange. I was like, all right. Um, there's but, a whole scene that's missing from the movie where Harry sneaks out at night and he gets stuck in the the stairs the stairs and he drops his egg and he because he sees he goes to investigate it's the, it's during the egg scene where he takes the mm-hmm. bath yes but he goes and investigates um he sees, he sees barty crouch on the map yes in snape's office and it's like well that's weird because at this point in the book barty crouch hasn't been coming to any of the stuff because yeah, he's sick he's, quote yeah, unquote yes. sick um and so harry goes to investigate uh he ends up dropping the egg and then Snape almost finds him, and Filch almost finds him, and then they almost find the Marauders map, and then Moody comes out, and it's a big thing. And then Moody gets the Marauders map at the last second because Harry, and he can see Harry's under the cloak, and mm-hmm. he can see him, and it, so it's this big thing, and it's like this big tense moment. Um, and it's, I understand why they dropped it, and they also moved this. So this is a, the corollary of that scene from the third movie where he sees. Wormtail on the yes. map and goes to investigate. They just took the scene from this one and put it in the third one, which he thought was a good addition in the third one. And I don't think it's as necessary here, but I like it. It's a really interesting scene. And the thing I really like about it is that there's a very specific thing about it is that if the whole the whole events of Voldemort coming back hinge on this one scene, essentially, mm-hmm. because Snape bends down to pick up the Marauders map. And Harry's like, no, like waves no to uh, to Moody, who's yeah. down at the bottom of the stairs. And Moody sees him and uh, Accio's the map to himself. Yes. If that hadn't happened and Snape had picked up the map, he would have he seen... immediately realizes what's going yes. on. He would have seen that Mad-Eye Moody <laughs> yes. was, in fact, Barty Crouch yes. Jr. Or Barty Crouch. And he would have yeah. he would have known something was going on. And all of a sudden, everything's ruined and Voldemort doesn't come back to life. It's all because Harry didn't hate Snape that much and didn't trust him <laughs> that much. Which, again, would maybe rightfully so. But Well, rightfully so, but that, I think, also makes it at least partly Snape's fault. Because yeah. if, if he hadn't been so cruel, hadn't been so cruel to Harry and yeah. then set himself up as a villain. Yeah, as much as he did, yeah. Yeah. Then, then yeah, uh, yeah. He wouldn't have cared, maybe, or whatever, yeah. It wouldn't have. It's a big, important scene. It's a really interesting scene, and it's actually, think I think, it, well, I guess, never mind. I'm not even going to talk. It was something with the cursed child that I'm not even going to get okay. into. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's an interesting scene. It's not in the movie. Oh, uh, and we're on the second task now. 
at this point. Uh, in the home stretch. In the home stretch, <laughs> kind of. Um, some of the other ones we'll go real quick. Uh, so in the in the second task, uh, I like that in the book when Harry's underwater, he can't talk. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he does. I get why because yeah. you can't hear. Right, we need the. In the book, we the read audio. Harry tried to say this. All that came out was bubbles. You can't do that in the movie, really. So he just gets yeah. to talk fine, whatever. But I like that. But I also like that in the book, even though it's just bubbles, like his magic still works. Yeah, yeah, it and, just, and it like, shoots pops bubbles out, out of the bubble. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like when he shoots like uh, stuff at like the Grindylows and stuff. Yeah, like it shoots like boiling water at him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. And I really don't. And we both have this. <laughs> the way that the second task ends. Uh, so in the book, Harry's time is running out, and he's carrying the two people mm-hmm. up to the top, and he's swimming, and all of a sudden he realizes he doesn't have fins anymore, and he realizes his gills are gone, and he starts like aspirating water, and is like yeah. it's this intense thing. He's close to the surface, but he starts feeling like he's drowning, and it's like he doesn't think he's gonna make it. But then he just barely makes it. Like yeah. in the last second, like gets he, the, he gives it that one last push. The one last push and breaks the surface of the water and brings in the air. And it's like, oh my god, I you know I didn't fucking drown in this <laughs> super safe triwizard tournament yeah. that we're doing. <laughs> I noticed there weren't any rescue divers with them <laughs> to make sure he didn't drown because he almost did. Um, but yeah, and so that's what happens in the book is that he just swims the last twenty feet out of the water, uh, you know, almost drowning yeah. basically. Makes it by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. In the movie, oh my god, he he like pushes Ron and uh, yeah, he like the pushes them and like Gabriel lets them float, float up, yeah, to the top, and they break the water, and, and then he like sinks, and we're like, oh no, is Harry Potter gonna drown in the fourth movie? <laughs> oh, no, no, I mean, I know obviously that's the same thing we're thinking in the book, but it's just the way I do it in the movie. He just kind of sinks and sits there. And then he remembers, I have a wand, I guess. Which, to be fair, I guess that is one of the things. Why didn't he use his wand in the book? But eh, in the moment he's surviving, he's half drowning. He's yeah. just kicking and trying to swim. Um, but he, so he, uh, I don't even know what he does. He uses a spell. Ascendo? Ascendo, Ascendio, that's yeah. right. And launches himself <laughs> out of the lake <laughs> like a dolphin. <laughs> and flops on the. Flies through the air and flops up onto the dock. And it looks. It looks dumb. Ridiculous. It looks really dumb. It's. It's. I get again. You feel like it's this big finish. Like it's the. Oh. The magical climax of the scene. He uses it and uses a spell to save himself. And oh. Barely gets out. But the book is so much more intense. Yes. And like interesting. And and I I even think that in the movie they could have made him breaking the water like normally a good intense yeah. big oh, finish. Yeah, absolutely. It could have yeah. done like the little mermaid breaking the water yeah. and then yeah. <gasps> breathing yeah. in air. But no. No. He launches, he launches himself, himself like out a, of the lake like, like a, a like a rocket dolphin. Yeah, it's really dumb. Uh we talked about it earlier but Crouch Jr, Barty Crouch Jr, the evil <laughs> Voldemort's most uh his most loyal, loyal supporter Death Eater. Uh, is the reason Harry Potter becomes an or. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I really like there's a moment and we don't get like any of the uh, the care of magical creatures classes. Yeah. Um, but we get a lot of them in the book. We don't get like any in the movie. But it starts out with the blast ended scroots and then they go to some other stuff. And, and, it, and it, everybody thinks Hagrid's like they hate his class. Yeah. Because they hate these blast-ended screws, and it seems like they're not really learning anything, and they're like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Grubby Plank, who's this character not in the movie, who's like a sub for Hagrid, mm-hmm. after Rita writes a story about Hag- blah, 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 a bunch of stuff, Hagrid's like, doesn't come to work for a while, and they have a sub, and the sub starts teaching them about unicorns, and they're like, wow, this is the best class ever. Like, all the kids are like, that was the best uh, yeah. magical creatures class ever. 
And then I like there's a moment that when Her- uh, Hagrid comes back, like his first class back, he keeps teaching about unicorns. Mm-hmm. And J.K. Rowling makes a point to go to say that it, that they realize that Hagrid knows just as much about unicorns yeah. as anybody else. He just thinks they're boring, so he doesn't <laughs> like teaching about them, which I thought was an important little moment to where it doesn't just seem like Hagrid is inept and like doesn't right. know what he's doing and somehow gets to keep his job. He, I mean, he's not the best teacher in the world all the time necessarily but he doesn't know what he's doing he just yeah is bored by it a lot of times he likes the monsters so and that's doubly important after the whole subplot of him being part giant yeah to show that he actually is competent yeah yeah i agree uh we talked about the hate mail and all that from earlier so we'll skip that uh there's a, a little moment that's completely cut from the movie and i understand why but they meet Sirius and hagrid i think it would have been fun to see Sirius again uh he's hanging out with yeah Buffy, they, they meet in, him in, in, in hogsmeade in hagrid that's a whole different <laughs> fanfic boys let me tell you <laughs> meeting Sirius in hagrid um but yeah no they meet him in hogsmeade and uh they hang out and he, this is where he gives a lot of backstory yeah. about um crouch and what happened with him uh, and that sort of thing and also we find out he has a code name and it's snuffles they call him Snuffles, I which is that. adorable. That's serious. Is that when they're talking about serious around other people, they call him Snuffles. Uh, the Nifflers would have been fun to see. Mm-hmm. They're little gold digging yeah, creatures, like little like anteater badger yeah. type things that dig up gold. like moles, kind yeah. of, but like cute, and they dig up gold coins, uh, which I thought would have been <laughs> fun to see. Again, that's little stuff that you can yeah. cut. I get it. It's you know, it's whatever. This one was a big one because this movement moment in the movie or in the book is freaking awesome. And I was super disappointed it wasn't in the movie. This happens when Crouch comes out of the woods. Crouch Sr. comes out of the woods and stumbles across. And in the movie, Harry just finds him dead. Right. In the book, there's a whole scene where he comes up out of the woods and he's like talking nonsense. um, And they can tell that there's very clearly something wrong with him. Yeah, and he's like, I got to warn Dumbledore. It's my fault. He keeps saying, like, it's my fault. I got to warn him. And he's like. Cause says he, he just keeps saying like kind of nonsense, but you can tell that like something important is happening. Mm-hmm. But there's this, Harry goes up and tries to get Dumbledore to come back down, and during that time, somebody ambushes. Well, whatever happens, Crumb gets knocked unconscious, and Barty Crouch Senior disappears. Yes, and uh, basically Karkaroff shows up and accuses Dumbledore of lying, or I can't remember exactly what. Oh, so Karkaroff shows up and is very upset that Crumb has been attacked. Right. And is basically like, this is treachery. You did this. Like, you know, you're you're trying to take out my champion or whatever like that. And he's like, you know, you talked about international wizarding links and rebuilding old ties. And here's what I think of you. And he spits on the ground at Dumbledore's feet. Mm-hmm. And the line in the, uh, in the book, Karkaroff spat on the ground at Dumbledore's feet. In one swift movement, Hagrid seized the front of Karkaroff's furs, lifted him into the air and slammed him against a nearby tree. Apologize, Hagrid snarled at Karkaroff as he gasped for breath. Hagrid's massive fist at his throat, his feet dangling in midair. And then Dumbledore was like, hey, calm down. (laughs) But that would have been I have. There's two moments in the movies with Hagrid that they don't show that are so disappointing to me that they aren't. uh, The other one's in the sixth one. Yeah. uh, Which we'll talk about. But they don't ever give. I don't know. I guess he probably does in the seventh one. I just don't remember the moments where Hagrid. You can see him turn into a fucking beast of a man that he is. And like. But anyways, I thought it would have been really fun to see him slam Karkaroff against the tree and, I'll, you know, with his feet kicking in the air and just, again, to set up again how imposing Hagrid is because right. he's always so friendly in everything we yes. see him in the 
in the movies, you know, and he, he when he wants to turn it on like Dumbledore, when it's business mode Hagrid or business <laughs> mode Dumbledore, you don't want to be on the other end of their wand or fists accordingly. Um, and we just don't really ever get to see that in the movies, which is disappointing. Uh, it, it, then we get the pensive scene with the, the trials and there's a bunch of trials in the book. We only see one in the movie. They kind of cram mm-hmm. it all together. Um, I actually don't hate the change of ma- well, we'll talk about it, but I don't hate the change of having Karkaroff name Barty. I think that could be interesting. I think it was a way to like smash it together that made sense. I don't love the change because, and it's what we talked about earlier, where Barty's there and he's like all like yeah. angry and crazy. Like I don't love that because I like the him begging because the whole scene where we see it is that eventually. Barty Crouch Jr. gets brought in with uh, the Lestranges and, like, another Death Eater or something mm-hmm. um, and put on trial for torturing the Longbottoms, which is what they talk about uh, in this trial. But he's, like, begging and, and and like, saying he's innocent the whole time and his mom is there. And that's what sets up the fact that he insists he's innocent all the way to Azkaban. Yes. In the book. Barty Crouch Jr. does. Uh, and that's why, ultimately, Barty Crouch Sr. and his mom decide to try to get him out. Or Barty Crouch Sr. at least agrees with the mom yeah, yeah we can we'll, try to we'll, rescue we'll him and get smuggle him out. him out um but we yeah it makes sense to set up that guilt yeah if that's the plot but line they, they're going with since they don't go which with that the movie doesn't so i think the way they do it's all right but the, i hate the chain the cage they put him in they put him in like an oh, iron yeah. maiden cage yeah. thingy with spikes pointing at him which is just silly in the book it's just a chair with like chains on the arms and it's actually the same it's the same um courtroom that harry gets put in in the fifth yes in the beginning of the fifth book slash movie if it's in the movie i don't remember yeah another thing that they drop from the movie which i think is really disappointing and it makes sense because of the changes they make to the maze Mm. but again we'll talk about that here very shortly is that in the book we see harry hermione and ron practice a bunch of spells because they Mm -hmm. know the third task they just tell them what it is they don't have to figure it out they go it's gonna be a maze we're going to put the cup in the middle. First person to get the cup yeah. wins. There's, there's going to be a bunch of stuff. There's, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of stuff that you have to get past. Yeah. So they like, all right, well, we're just going to learn a bunch of different spells. And he learns how to do impedimenta, which mm-hmm. is the slowing spell. He learns how to do reductor, which he does do in the movie. Yeah, he so does. It's, which is like a cutting, blasting kind of spell. Um, he learns a compass spell in the book where he can use his wand as a compass. So that way he can guide himself through mm-hmm. the maze, basically. Um, and a few other ones. Uh, but anyways, the whole point is that. That's really important to me for later books because, and I didn't remember this, but that when they do this sort of crash course and they really start learning all this stuff, when we get to Dumbledore's army and everything, yeah. that's why they're able to teach them yeah, all this stuff because it they learned that all they this know stuff. That stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't just, you know, it didn't just magically all of a sudden they know all these spells and now they've learned some in class and stuff, but they, he has sort of had a crash course on a bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. we see more of that in the book than we do in the movie, which... It's kind of weird because then you get to it and, it and it is to the point at some point, it, which is whole Harry's whole thing within in the fifth book where he's like, why should I teach? I don't know anything, but it's like, no, you actually do. Yeah. And in the movie, it is kind of like, well, what does he know different than anybody else other than how to do a uh, Patronus? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, the entire Rita uh, Beetle yeah, storyline. Rita being an unregistered animagus gets totally dropped from the movie. Yeah. And I don't remember if she she comes back. In the briefly in the book, in the seventh, seventh book. Oh, okay, yeah, one of the later ones. I don't think she comes back before that. Maybe she does, but she definitely comes back for at least a minute later on. Yeah, and I don't remember if they have that in the movies or not. If it's relevant, I would at imagine all. not. Yeah, probably um, not. But that's a, it's a fun storyline of Hermione figuring out 
that she's a beetle because yeah. and there's lots of little good clues throughout the book of them hearing beetles buzzing by wind or bugs buzzing by windows mm-hmm. and little things that set up the fact that and how Hermione ultimately figures out that Rita can turn into a beetle. That's how she's getting her inside scoops on everything because uh, Dumbledore bans her from the grounds. <laughs> um, I really like in the book that Molly and Bill Weasley come as Harry's family for the final task. Yes. They show up to kind of be there and support him because Harry's not expecting anybody to come because mm-hmm. they're like, your family's here. And then, and I don't know why they wouldn't have him because like Amos Diggory comes. Yeah. But why, I, why wouldn't they at least have show Molly? them in the stands? I guess they don't have to pay Molly for this movie because uh, yeah, she's not so. in it. So <laughs> I, that would be my, my guess as to why <laughs> they're not there. And we also, though, in that scene in the book, we get the setup for Bill and Floor. Yes. Because they get married later. Yeah, they get married in the sixth book or... Seventh? seventh book yeah uh, yeah whatever yeah seventh book i think um and yeah they're set up because they like floor is like staring at bill and it's just a little yeah, thing it's not really she's into him yeah his long hair and his earring all right we're almost done with better in the book it was a marathon oh no wait no we're not <laughs> we got a whole other book getting there though all right so quickly the entire maze task is so like in the book there's all this like really cool stuff that happens in yes. the maze. It's not just a maze that tries to eat you. Yeah, the movie, yeah, it's just a, a giant creepy maze, which is lame. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it's uh, it's literally just a maze that kind of like tries to like, it moves around and like will suck you up and collapse on you. And like it's, yeah. but in the, in the book, there's like a sphinx that gives Harry a riddle that he has to solve. There's this weird golden mist that flips the world upside down and it's like a, yeah. he has to figure out what to do about it. There's a, the scroots are in the, the blast ended scroots end up in the maze. There's giant spiders at yeah. one point, which is how Harry ends up getting his leg hurt, which I don't think really happens in the mm, movie I don't as think much. So, no. But that's why one of the reasons he can't, um, he has trouble getting away with Voldemort and stuff at the end. It's his legs right. like messed yeah, up. He can't, his leg is injured. Uh, he can barely stand up. Um, and so they just get rid of all that and just kind of make it a creepy mage. And I guess it makes it a little quicker, but it really wish they would have yeah. kept some of the elements of. Well, they could have at least put some like creatures. In yeah, there. not. Yeah, not have the like maybe. OK, don't do the Sphinx. Like, yeah. sit. let's sit and do a riddle thing. But like the. The blast-ended scroots could have just yeah, come charging. Like, Ewing had to know there. what those are. They're just some creepy giant spider lobster scorpion things <laughs> that shoot fire. Like, what? <laughs> Terrifying. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the books really, or the movie really does turn Floor Delacour into kind of a, a wimp. Yeah. So in the second task in the book, she fails. Um, she gets caught by Grindelow and kind of panics her. I don't yeah. know what happens. Oh, but she's she's not able to complete it, which is why Harry saves her sister. Um, but she doesn't in the th- in in the movie in the third task. She also is like when we see her before uh, Crumb gets her, she's like panicking and freaking out. Yeah, and she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She's not like a panicky mess. Like she has one issue in that task. Something had you know. Yeah, but like she's not like she's literally just running around in the maze like. Ah! I'm like, oh, okay, come on. Yeah. Like, she was chosen as a champion for a reason. Like, and also in the movie, so once she gets caught in the book, they send up red sparks. Yeah. In the book, those sparks hang there. From my understanding, from what it seemed like to me, they hang in this air over the spot that they are, so that that way the people on the outside can come in and find whoever needs to be. In the movie, he shoots it up like it's like a firework. It goes off and goes away. And I'm like, well, 
Well, how are they going to... How are they going to find... I hope they got the exact position that that <laughs> went... When they know the exact position where that went up in the air. I mean, I guess you can just say magic, but yeah. I always imagine them kind of hanging in the air, like a you know, like a firework that like is constantly going mm-hmm. off or something like that, which also would look cool. Like, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. They dropped this, which doesn't make any sense. Crumb Crucio Cedric in the movie. Yeah. Uh... Imperioed crumb. Right, he's under the, he's under the imperious curse. The imperious curse. And also, Cedric isn't a dick in the maze in the book. Like yeah. in the movie, he's like, he like is gonna like after he gets crumb off or whatever. He's like gonna like do something. I don't know. He's got his wand pointing at him, and Harry like grabs him and stops him. But like that is not how that transaction goes down. Yeah, like Cedric is like a super upstanding. Yeah, he's in Hufflepuff. Guy. That's the whole point. Like he's <laughs> he's like the the purest and nicest of the people. Like he's not like. And then when they're like fighting, trying to get to the cup, kind yeah. of they're like racing and they're like getting there, like pushing each other a little bit, and then ultimately end up taking it together. It just plays out in the movie a way. That I felt very different from the book. In the book, obviously, there's the elements because, like, they get grabbed by spiders and, like, there's all kinds of other stuff. And, like, Harry yeah. saves him from a spider and whatnot. All this other stuff happens. But the way it plays out in the book feels much more natural and much more in line with both of their characters. Yes. And then they spend, like, five minutes arguing that the other person should take the cup oh, in the God, book. yes. <laughs> They're like, no, you take it. No, you take it. Well, I wouldn't have got past the first task if it wasn't for you. Well, I wouldn't have got past the second task if it wasn't for you. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up and kiss already. <laughs> I'm sure that fanfic exists. Where the port key takes him to, like, a snowy villa. Oh, my God. <laughs> just embrace for hours. So this is another problem I had in the movie. Wormtail's not nearly whimpery enough. Yeah. He Wormtail is like the ultimate coward. Yes. He is ul- the ultimate coward in the books and in the movie he he goes about his task way too easily and confidently and confidently of bringing Voldemort back. Yeah. And they also describe in the book numerous times about how repulsed he is by Voldemort's yeah. like little gross he's baby form. He's supposed to be like terrified. And- yeah. And, 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 like, the book, he spends the whole, that whole scene, like, whimpering and, like, moaning and laying on the ground in the fetal position. And he, yeah. in the book, or in the movie, he's just, like, kind of fine. Like, he's, like, not excited about it cutting his hand <laughs> off. But, like, he's kind of fine. fine. And that is so, like, it just he, does. He also, in the movie, and I commented on this while we were watching it, he throws... He little just, creepy Voldemort in there with a plum. He just flips him into the <laughs> floop. Yeah, whereas in the movie he very much, uh, or in the book he very much uh, gingerly yeah, drops he, him into the. It's very apparent in the book that he doesn't really want much to be touching Voldemort. Yeah, he's not super into it. He's yeah. there, but he's not super yeah, into He's there it. because he's a coward. That is literally yeah. it. And they make that clear numerous times. And I say it in the movie, too, but it just doesn't come across the same way. But there's one line missing from the final confrontation between Voldemort and Harry that I think is a really good line in the book because it kind of illustrates. I don't know. I just think it's a good line for Voldemort to say. I just really like it is when they're dueling and Harry, he tells Harry to bow and Harry won't bow. And yeah. then he makes him, which he does in the movie. But the line in the book is Voldemort says bow to death, Harry. Which is like a really fucking badass thing to say. I mean, it, it is. Like that ba- evil badass thing to and say. And it's also a cool hint at like what's to come with the Deathly Hollows and like Voldemort trying to become the master of death. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a great line, and it's really disappointing that they didn't yeah. have it in the movie because it's such an it's such a little like it, he, know, he says bow yeah. like four times, just say bow to death. Like why wasn't that? Why wasn't there they anybody had to on? have him weirdly stick out his tongue in Harry's face instead? <sighs> yeah, I, I guess it's just like <laughs> ugh, why would you not have him say that? It's such a great line. Okay, and then so all the stuff happens, and we'll talk about that a little more later. Uh, where the they duel, duel quote unquote duel. They, Cast Harry. Harry goes to the old standard uh, Expelliarmus, and their wands connect, and then uh, it causes Priori Incantatum. Which, if you're not a book reader, you would have no idea what that means. Yeah. And Dumbledore says it later. And uh, all of the spells that Dumb- uh, Voldemort has cast start coming back from the wand. And now in the movie, that is represented as just the people, right? Just the people he's killed. he's killed come out. Um, and so Cedric comes out, then the Fred, the caretaker, comes out, and then. Harry's parents. Oh, oh see, see, and we don't we, see Bertha. Bertha Jorkins is because she's the, not in the yeah, movie, so she she's doesn't. In come the out. book, so she would come out. She comes out in the book, uh, and then his parents come out. Yeah. Um, but also along with that, because it's not just people you've killed; it's every spell you've cast. So, we, and I didn't notice this before, but you hear the screams of every time he's cast Crucio. Mm-hmm. You hear screams for that. You see uh, Wormtail's hand come out because he makes yeah. the hand for Wormtail. Uh, and then there's another time or two where Crucio happens and something else. Something, so you see every or hear every spell, which I think they could have done really quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. That would have kept in with what the spell actually or what is actually happening. It's not a big change. I just thought it was kind of weird that they would change that. I guess people might find it more confusing. Whereas yeah, if it's maybe. just like the souls of the dead coming back. Sure. Like that kind of colloquially makes sense to people. Yeah. Um, so the scene immediately after Harry gets back to the Hogwarts grounds, it's fine. I'm not sure it quite captures, like, the utter confusion, but... I have I have this in a different segment, but I do agree that it doesn't capture the confusion. Yeah. Because that's the big part in the book, is that it's like, Harry's, like, completely out of it, and, like, drained, and it's, like, half unconscious. Yeah. And, and so, from because we're getting it from Harry's perspective to some extent, we it is very confusing, and we don't yes. know what's going on. I like some of what the movie does, and we'll talk about it here soon. Um, but, yeah, it definitely doesn't capture the, the Harry's perspective of the confusion, and the slipping in and out of consciousness, and just mm-hmm. the random noises and screams that he's getting. They could have done that. They could have done it from a Harry's perspective, where the sound and the visuals keep going in and out would have yeah. been really interesting yeah. but i i like what they did and we'll talk about why uh they mentioned the faux glass earlier in the movie mm-hmm. very explicitly uh moody says that's a faux glass and i couldn't remember if they were going to include it in the movie and i'm like oh they did cool so i was waiting for the end of the movie but then they don't follow up yeah. on it so they what the faux glass is is it lets you see your villain or your enemies yes. or whatever uh and in the book when Dumbledore and Snape and McGonagall come and rescue Harry. They blast through the door and knock out Moody slash Crouch. And then you see them in the faux glass mm-hmm. because they're obviously right, thus <laughs> revealing that his foes are actually. Yes. The good guys, yes. quote unquote. And I was like, so why would you set up the faux glass? It's in the room they're in, in the movie when this happens, but they don't have a single shot of yeah. they set it up, but they don't pay it off. It makes no sense. Zero it's so sense. easy to have a quick shot of the faux glass with the three of them in it, and they just don't do it. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, speaking of cool things that Moody has, though, I didn't like the changes they made to his magical trunk. Because in the book, it has like a bunch of different keyholes, 
and like every time oh, you yeah. open it, it's, it's different, different stuff, stuff. Whereas this is just one big. Yeah, this is just. It's like it, levels, like, but it's it like levels and like rises up. And I was like, that's I get it, but that's dumb. Yeah, it's not as interesting. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is the big one where we said, does the what does the movie think this means? <sighs> so there's a moment where after they reveal Barty Crouch and mm-hmm. uh, they he he has I like this one we'll talk about it, but he hasn't been taking his polyjuice potion so he just transforms back yeah. in the movie uh, into Barty Crouch in that scene um, and he's they're talking to him and they're interviewing him and he pulls out his dark mark and he says I'll show you yours if you show me if, I'll I'll show you mine I'll show you mine if you show me yours um, and, and we I, both thought the yeah, same thing I thought he was going to be talking to Snape because he knows Snape's a Death Eater yeah he knows Snape has a dark mark would make sense so that's what I thought too. So he pulls his out and shows it, and then Dumbledore grabs Harry's arm and pulls it down. And, like, shows him the cut. The cut where Wormtail cut him to get the blood to bring back Voldemort. Now, I I guess the idea was just that, like, visually they're in the same place in the movie, but that was just because you chose to put him in the same place. In the book, it's described as the crook of Harry's arm, which I either Mm -hmm. assume is the elbow or, like, the shoulder. I'm not exactly sure which it would be. I think the elbow. Right. Yeah. Um, Would be, yeah, that would have been what I thought. Um, But, so, the cut on his arm literally has nothing to do with the dark mark. Zero things. Like, nothing to do with it. At all. Which in it, but it, I yeah. mean, other than the sense that Voldemort is now alive and the dark mark is completely dark or whatever filled in because Voldemort's back and that's because of Harry's blood. But the location on the arm and the fact that the cut nothing to do with the dark mark. Well, and it just goes on to further reiterate our point. Like, what does the movie think the dark mark is? Yeah. What do they think it is? What do they think it does? I don't think they know. No. I don't think so either. And I also think that maybe it was just one of the thing where they felt like some point during the process, somebody had the clever idea of going, oh, he should cut him on the arm in the place where the dark mark is. Because like visual mm-hmm. symbolism and like, sure. Sure. Yeah. Do I don't that. have a problem with that. But then like this moment where they're like, ha ha. I'm like, but doesn't that doesn't mean specific, anything. Yeah. It doesn't. It's irrelevant. Like. Ah. <laughs> I, I like Dumbledore in this last scene, uh, but I don't think we get quite enough. I don't think it's quite portrayed uh, business. <laughs> try to explain this in the book. This is the first moment that we get full on business Dumbledore mm-hmm. of like, this is what because Harry says, like, I now under I, I understand why people said that he was this is the only wizard that Voldemort ever feared when Harry or Vol- Dumbledore comes through that door and, and stuns Moody. Yeah. Harry's like, oh, I get it. Like this. He's like describes him as like radiating this energy and like just. Mm-hmm. super intense and powerful and we get that in the movie and it comes across but it doesn't i it just didn't hit me in the way that here's what it, they should have done and i'll explain it and everybody will agree with me <laughs> i'm dead serious it in the book it really hit me of like that was the first time you're like yeah like harry you're seeing it for the first time yeah. of why everybody fears literally everybody fears dumbledore in this to the not in the same way that they feel fear voldemort but people do in the sense that he is that powerful mm-hmm. we finally see it in the book we kind of get it he does a thing like he stuns him and he's, and he's intimidating to some extent but what they should have done and this came out years after i think um remember that moment in lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring when Gandalf in the very beginning of the movie Bilbo or yeah Bilbo 
decides he doesn't want to give Gandalf the ring back. Yeah. And he goes, Bilbo Baggins, do not take me for a conjurer of cheap tricks. Or whatever the fuck he says. And it like the like the universe swirls around him and the camera pulls back and he looks nine feet fucking tall and there's like electricity and it's like crazy. They should have done something like not that. Yeah. Not that. But but like that. Yeah, they should have done some kind of visual trick to make him look. Because the way it is described about the energy and you can feel it in the room. They needed to do something to portray that. And they just don't quite get there. It's like, okay. But it's not like I because that moment in Lord of the Rings, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like Gandalf is serious. Like he he could he could mess stuff up if he wanted to. And I wanted to feel that in this moment with Dumbledore. And it just doesn't quite get there. So they should have talked to Peter Jackson. That's my point. Uh, <laughs> oh, OK. And we got to wrap this up because um, we got to get on other stuff. But so they cut the whole thing with fudge. Yes. The whole debacle with Fudge. In the book, yes. there's a whole thing where Fudge doesn't believe any of this. Right. He is being willfully ignorant. Another uh, thing that's really relevant right yep. now. <laughs> willfully ignorant. He does not want to buy that uh, that, Vol- yeah. that that the fascists are back. He does he not want to be believe true. That, that they're, And so he just refuses to believe it. Uh, and Dumbledore is like, all right. Uh, and there's a big argument between them, and this is sort of the parting of the ways, as they yeah. call it. Uh, and Dumbledore literally, literally says that to, to Fudge. He goes, this is the parting of the ways, then. It's also important that in the book, Crouch gets his soul sucked out by a Dementor, yeah. which we don't see in the movie. That's important in the book, because then Crouch can't testify right. to what has happened. So Fudge can go on saying, oh, he's just a madman. He's yeah. a madman. He acted all on his own. Voldemort's he's, he's not He's dead back. now. I don't have to deal. Yeah. yeah. He's just, just a, he was a lone crazy guy. Again, relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and so they, they cut that out completely. And that sets up the entire conflict. Well, one of the big conflicts for the next four, three books. Yeah. Uh, between and the especially ministry, the fifth book. especially the fifth book between the ministry and Dumbledore and 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 uh, all yeah. of the, the order yes um so yeah it's a really big point to not address now I from what I remember they set this all up at the beginning of the fifth movie kind of mm-hmm. like they they kind of quickly try to set this all up at the beginning of the fifth movie instead of doing it here at the end of the fourth I guess they wanted more of a neat bow on the fourth movie yeah. like ah the end like instead of setting up the, but again we talked about in the prequel episode that's kind of the whole point. Yes. That we don't get clean endings anymore. We get more conflict, <laughs> um, which is disappointing. Also, there's a great moment in the book. And it's a little thing, but they God, I really wish they would have included it because it's illustrative of how planned out everything J.K. Rowling does and how she does such a good job with little elements to set up future elements. There's a moment where Harry tells Dumbledore that Voldemort used his blood mm-hmm. in the spell that brought him back to life. And Harry says... I look. I was looking at him when I said this, and I thought I saw what looked like a, a small flash of. It says like victory triumph. or triumph yeah. flash across Dumbledore's face, but then he thought he. I, w- I must have been imagining it because it was gone the next moment. Not imagining it. That's a very important thing, and this also sets up the whole idea that Dumbledore is thinking is, eight steps yes. ahead and is kind of manipulating everything. He's the grand chess master. He's, yeah, he's the grand chess master. It kind of starts setting that up in this book, and we don't get that in this one. Yeah. It just still kind of feels like you know. The old headmaster is just kind of like there. Yeah. Also, they don't mention that Harry and Voldemort have wands with the same core from Fox. And I mean, that's a little thing, but it's kind of important. That's whole the whole reason the Priorian Cantata right. happened. Yeah, that's the reason it happened. Was because they share the same cores, basically. Yeah. 
Um, and again, in the movie, it makes no sense. He goes, ooh, Priori and Dumbledore's like, oh, so what happened? And Harry explains what happened in the graveyard. He's like, Priori and Cantatum. And then the and scene then, ends. Nothing. And I'm like, if I was a movie watcher, I would be like, what? <laughs> oh, I can't absolutely cannot imagine trying to follow this movie having not read the book. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just like Priori and Can- who's a what now? <laughs> I forget, what? <laughs> what does that mean? What? What? Okay, cool. Thanks. I, I guess we're moving on. <laughs> right, right on. Uh, and then there's just a couple little things. Ron gets Crumb's autograph in the book, which is fun because mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of been a running gag or recurring thing. He really wants his autograph, but just has never. He also doesn't want to fanboy over him too yeah. much. Also, they hex the shit out of Malfoy and Crab and Goyle on the train, which yeah. I thought was fun in the <laughs> book, which would have been fun to see. That's not how they wanted to end it. I get it. But they just like all hit him with like because they're being truly terrible. They're like, Malfoy says something about, like, somebody dying and is, like, making fun of Cedric dying, basically. And they all just hex him at the same time, including Fred and George, who are in the hallway of the train. So they get hit with, like, 20 spells at once. And they're, like, they're described as, like, a mess of, like, tentacles (laughs) and, like, other stuff. It's it's kind of fun. And then the Triwizard Tournament winnings never come up in the movie. Yeah. But Harry gets a thousand Harry wins a buttload of money. Yeah. And he doesn't want it. He tries to give it to, like, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to give it to the Diggories. He tries to give it to, I think, Molly Weasley. He tries to give yeah. it to a bunch of different people. Nobody will take it. Uh, and ultimately, he gives it to Fred and George so they can start their joke shop. Because of the recurring, the, the running theme, or not theme, the subplot of them and Ludo Bagman. Right. They lost all their money to Ludo betting, and that's all cut. But he gives them their money so they can start their joke shop. <sighs> Woo! I... Can promise you guys that our other segments are going to be much shorter. So much shorter. So much shorter. Let's get into Muggle Questions Part Two. <laughs> two hours in. <laughs> All right. We're sorry. This is probably the worst movie, though. So yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> it we'll better be. S- we'll see how it goes. At least with seven, it's two movies, yeah. so it won't be quite as bad. All right. Uh, here's Trevor's fifth question. I really need help with this one. Why is the Triwizard Tournament a thing in the first place? Why would you subject students to these very dangerous tasks where students have actually died, all in the name of sport? Uh, we think it's it's basically just like the Olympics. Uh, yeah, it's like Wizard Olympics. Yeah. Uh, uh, magical cooperation, international friendship Dumbledore making. says it a couple times in the movie. He says it more in the yeah. book. Um, also, everybody gets to show off. Yeah, yeah, it's the Olympics. Yeah. It's the exact same idea, basically. I found it curious, why did the ceiling freak out when Mad-Eye walked into the room? Obviously, we now know it's not Mad-Eye. Spoiler alert, did the ceiling know? Uh, As for the ceiling with Mad-Eye, it doesn't happen in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, It is already storming in the book, and there's like happens to be a big clap of thunder when he walks in, but... It's just like a dramatic entrance for him, but he doesn't use his wand to fix the sky or whatever. As did the ceiling know it was Mad-Eye? Maybe that's an interesting idea. I actually <laughs> yeah. don't hate that or know that it wasn't mad. I rather I don't hate that idea that Hogwarts might have some sort of magic to kind of be like, what the fuck? This is not. What? <laughs> that's a fun idea. So I, I actually I hadn't heard that. I think that's an, a clever uh, potential. Yeah, know. that's like a, a clever explanation yeah. for that. But yeah, it's not in the book. So. So Crumb is the best seeker in Quidditch, but he's also a student at a school. How old is he? Uh, Crumb's like 17. 17, 18. 18. He's a, like a senior. Range. He's in his final, yeah. final year yeah. in 
So he's like, it's like, you know, when professional baseball players get drafted right out of high school, basically, it's yeah. kind of the idea there. So he's been drafted, but he's finishing up his. Well, and actually, no, because. Idea. Yeah, but it's actually not even because he's not playing professionally. He's playing for the country team, which is different because a lot of those like like if you like the World Cup and soccer and stuff and uh-huh. like and like that where it's like teams compete like the Olympics is all like kids, not kids, but like 18 year olds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like the World Cup of Quidditch would make sense that. It would be like juniors, like not professional players, potentially. How does the Goblet of Fire choose a champion? Does it have qualifications that it's looking for? The answer to this may just be magic. Uh, magic. Yeah, I think that's the the best answer we get for yeah, this. Magic. It's it's like the Sorting Hat, where it's just like it looks at like it kind of picks. It looks deep into your soul and knows that you're worthy. Yeah, or you're not. So there you go. (laughs) Let's do it better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Um, When Harry walks into the magical tent and he says, I love magic. I I could go both ways on that one. It's a little cheesy, but it's It's fun. a little cheesy, but I, I like that moment. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. And that is the exact reaction that I would have to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so I, this isn't really a better in the movie, but I thought this fit the most for it. And we talked about it a little bit, but I understand why they changed the incredibly complicated uh, Dark Mark chapter and the thing with Winky and the yeah. wine and all that stuff. And I think looking back, watching it a second time, having just reread the book... I think they did about they did it in a way that makes about as much sense as you could if you're right. going to do it in one movie. Yeah. Yeah, cuz the book has a million different plot lines and red herrings and all this different stuff. Yeah. And it's all great and it's all important. Yeah. But yeah, you're going to have to lose some of it. If you're going to do it in one movie, this is the way they did it in the movie is probably makes the most sense of mm-hmm. having Barty Crouch just be also there helping Voldemort in that scene at the beginning with Wormtail and then kind of setting that up and then him just being the one to cast the dark yeah. mark and all it yeah. streamlines it and it kind of works, I think. Um, we mentioned earlier that the movie makes Bo Battens an all-girls school and Durmstrang an all-boys school. It's not really a necessary change, but I think it makes sense even just for like simplicity's sake. Yep. Um, because we don't meet any of the characters other than Floor and Crumb. Yeah. So like having them all kind of be visually similar is really helpful. Yep. Um, also, I really dig the Durmstrang boys entrance. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> They're just doing gymnastics down the hallway. Yeah, I thought it was it was fine. As I like the fire part. That's cool. Where you guys shoots yeah, the fire is. dragon. That part was pretty cool. The rest of it is whatever. They're a little a little uh, try hardy for my taste, but it's fine. <laughs> I prefer the way Karkaroff looks in the movie. Um, I'll agree with that. He just described in the book as having short white hair mm-hmm. and I think he's a little more imposing and evil looking. He with looks the, he looks um, like uh, yeah in the princess bride. Oh, Inigo Montoya? No. Um, Count Rugen? Yeah. He looks kind of like Count Rugen. Count Rugen's got the looks, curly, or like the short bobby hair. But He's he got looks like long. Like, he looks like an evil Eastern European version right. of Count Rugen. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I just like the the little goatee yeah. and, the, and the long dark hair. And he, yeah, he just kind of looks, I mean, it's probably racist in some way, but he just looks more of the villain yeah. than a guy with short white hair. I mean, they could have done it. I just think he looks I mean, he looks cool. And I think the guy does a good job in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I like that they make 
Moody drinking the polyjuice potion a slightly more deliberate thing. Yeah. And that he seems to do he he has like uh, almost like a a tremor tremor when he needs yeah. to take his polyjuice potion. In the book, it mentions that he always only drinks from his flask, and and that's right. What talk about. That's part of what makes his disguise so brilliant. Right. in the book is that Moody is well known for only drinking out of his flask. Right, but we never get any sort of implication in the book that like you don't. There, there's no description of him like where he's like eh, kind of like transforming back almost, mm-hmm. and then he takes his polyjuice in the movie, right. which happens in the movie, which I think is a good visual clue for the yeah it, it is it is a on. good visual clue and it's also kind of a good red herring because yeah. if you don't know that plot twist you might think oh he's like an alcoholic right, right. and he needs his alcohol fix right right and, but i think that's a clever thing and it helps set up the the twist a little better yeah uh i really like oh you can, yeah go ahead uh, yeah we both had a note about this the telephone scene where hermione's like Ron told me to tell you that Dean said that, yeah, that Hermione said him, that yeah. Hagrid was looking for you. Yeah. Our cats just, cats broke, just broke something. something. Um, I thought it was funny and yeah. I thought it fit for their age group. Uh, I agree. I, I thought it was a really fun scene. And it's during that time where Ron and Harry aren't talking to each yes. other. Which... Oh, uh, so in the movie, Ron knows about the dragons uh, because Charlie is there mm-hmm. like uh, with the dragons, basically kind of keeping. Yeah, Charlie is a dragon handler, which I don't think we ever actually learned. Yeah, in I don't the know movies. if we learned that in the movies, but we know it and learn about it several times in the books. And so he's there with the dragons. And so it kind of makes sense that somehow Ron finds out about that. And mm-hmm. Ron thus knows about the dragons. But in the movie, he decides or he doesn't tell Harry. Right. He doesn't tell him directly. He says he did. But even that I don't think makes sense in the movie. Yeah, because if he says, well, actually, I told you because ultimately he says, no, I did tell you about the dragons because Harry's like, why didn't you tell me about the dragons? He's like, oh, I did because Ron told blah, blah, blah. He goes through the whole thing and he goes, well, actually, Seamus never said that or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like. But then Hagrid still would have had to tell you like Hagrid would have been the one Yeah, because Hagrid knew like Hagrid was expecting expecting Harry. Harry. So Ron, like, still, yeah, there is there is an extra level of betrayal yeah, there. I don't know. It didn't really make sense to me. But I thought it was interesting to have him know and not tell, but they kind of go back on that. But I, whatever. Um, I like the quick moment in Moody's office where you see the chest in the movie and it shakes. Yeah. And you hear a noise and he's like, I don't, don't want to tell you about that. It just fits with Moody's character or with mm-hmm. fake Moody's character. And it also is just another hint that something's going on. We the chest is mentioned in the book, mm-hmm. but it's never. There's not like, and then it shook. It yeah. made a weird noise. Like, yeah. Um, you did not really care for the part where the dragon breaks its chain and chases Harry around for a bit. I thought that was kind of a good ad. I think it makes the scene more actiony. I agree. Uh, like I said, it's fun. It's yeah. just it's, I it's have, fun. I have issues with it. Um, and this movie does drag a little. Yeah. So I think having like a kind of an actiony scene in there was good. Yeah, not a bad me. idea. Um, and then we both had a note yeah. about the dancing lessons with Professor McGonagall. Yeah, not yeah. in the book. It's but not in the book, but it's a ad. fun scene, uh, and McGonagall uh, is 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 fun in it. And I think that um, uh, the other thing I like about that scene is that. Uh, Neville really takes to it and I think that's mm-hmm. a fun little character moment for Neville and then they yeah. see him dancing yeah. in the room and it kind of makes sense because he's always he's very clumsy he's very awkward and he's not very good at anything and I think it's a, an interesting idea that he would take to dancing mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a fun 
a fun idea that kind of fits in his character in that sort of unexpected way. Like Neville likes to, you know, yeah, I, I, that was a fun idea. Um, Snape, we're going to discuss at length later on in another episode, Yeah, but I did kind of enjoy, there's a, a bit with him where he's like making Ron and Harry study. Yeah, During it's kind of slapsticky. It's kind of slapsticky. Yeah, it's visual humor. Well, see, but... if that was the extent of his shenanigans with them, I'd be like, yeah. fine. <laughs> I'd be like, sure. You're yeah. just an old-fashioned teacher. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to this. And it, and it works better, like, just in the movie because we don't see him being super yeah. cruel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. At the Yule Ball, I never noticed this before, all the Bo Battens girls are wearing, like, little tiaras. <laughs> Which I felt like was really <laughs> on point. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely fits. I like the design of the golden egg in the movie. Uh, in the book, it's—I mean, you don't know what it looks like, but it's kind of described as just having hinges. Uh-huh. Like it just, and I imagined, I maybe I don't remember the exact description, but I think it basically described as just like opens in half, like a book, kind of. Yeah. And in the movie, it's got like a cool release on top, and then it, it like opens up like a like a flower, mm-hmm. and like it's really cool looking on the inside. I thought yeah, that was it's, a, a it's cool a neat design. design. Uh, this is a big change, but I don't like dropping Dobby. Mm-hmm. But I think you still could have had Dobby and still made this change, and it still would have mm-hmm. made a lot of sense. And that's having Neville just give Harry the, the gillyweed. gillyweed. Yeah, it's, it's a lot less convoluted for yeah. sure. And it's it's it gives Neville something to do mm-hmm. because he doesn't have a lot to do. He doesn't even have a lot to do in these early books, honestly, other than just kind of be the punching bag to some extent. And I think it's it's when I was rereading the book. I had in my head that Neville is helps him and gives yeah. it to him because it just made so much sense to me. Yeah, especially it, it because makes sense. They set up early in the book that Moody gives him the gilly or the book with the gillyweed in mm-hmm. it, basically. And it's like, yeah, just have Neville do it. Gives yeah. Neville something yeah. to do. Give him a victory. It's all ties. It makes perfect sense. And we also then get to have yeah. the line. <laughs> it's great. Where. <laughs> Harry falls into the lake initially, yeah, and he's like not coming back up. And Neville's like, "Oh my god, I've killed Harry Potter." Yeah, it's great little fun line, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's a really good change. I really love that they had he has a leg holster for his wand. Yeah, in the that's movie. a neat touch. It makes a lot of sense because it's like and it's it, drawing inspiration from the real world where like divers will keep a knife on like mm-hmm. a leg holster thing. Um, and it just makes a lot of sense because I think in the book it's described as like pulling his wand out of his robes or whatever he's wearing. And I'm like, yeah, it just makes no sense. Like, again, with like the earlier book, it's like I stuck the wand in my T-shirt and I'm like, where you would <laughs> just get a holster for your wand? Like, that seems like a very obvious thing yeah. that wizards would have. You would think. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But anyways, because, um, yeah, they always just keep them in their pockets. And I'm like, how big are your pockets? These wands are an, a foot long normally or like <laughs> eight to 12 inches long yeah, on average. They're, they're big. I, I, they need wand holsters. That's like the one big thing of her universe building that J.K. left out. I bet that American wizards have would have wand, wand holsters. holsters. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. That is, I mean, it's a cultural thing. To be fair. Yeah. To be fair. Uh, in the movie, I think there's actually a pretty good. Oh, sorry, I skipped. Oh, one. I, I was gonna say. Uh, I liked that they had the hostages on like suspended chains, like floating underwater. In the water, yeah, because in the book they're like they're tied like, to yeah, rocks. Yeah, they're tied to like a statue yeah, or something. Yeah. So the the floating chains thing that's it's a, that's a cool visual. Yeah, it's real creepy. Um, I think there's a chance in the movie that if you're smart and paying attention, you could actually figure out that Moody was Crouch. Yes. Because mainly because they give him that visual tongue, yeah, flick the little tongue tongue flicky flick lizard thing, thing. which. 
is on its, its own a, isn't my favorite thing in the it's world. It's a choice. It's with not a my capital fa- C. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing in the world. But they, ha- I like the idea that they gave him some sort of visual clue that you could figure out. Right. That it was because in the book, I I would argue that I'm not sure on a first read that anybody would ever suspect that Moody. I don't want to say nobody, but I I it's there's very subtle. The clues are very subtle. Yes. In the book, whereas it's a little more obvious in the movie. And again, I think it's still most people wouldn't put it together, but you could, I think, a little more easily put it together, which I think is interesting. I, I like that at least. Um, so we talked about how disappointing the hedge in the third task was, but I, I did like um, that the hedge magically closed around him, around Harry. Not the fact that it like moves around necessarily, just yeah. like that initial shot of him looking back at the crowd and yeah, it like and it closes yeah, up cold. around him. I agree. The movie drops the entire because uh, this is a thing that all of these books are most of these books are guilty of, which is the uh, villain monologue. Let yes. me explain everything. And now the movie drops that because in the book, uh, Voldemort monologues for like two pages mm-hmm. or more uh, to all the Death Eaters and Harry about his yes. entire plan. He monologues forever, forever. And then Crouch Mo- monologues. Yeah. And then when we get to Moody, they crush, he monologues forever. And it's just like. There's like literally 10 combined pages of them explaining mm-hmm. what has happened over the last yes. year, basically. And I mentioned in the prequel episode that was one of the main criticisms yeah. that people had of this book when yeah. it came out. And it's definitely... So the movie drops that, which is nice for me as a book reader in yeah. that I don't need that again. And now it flows a lot better. It's not nearly as exposition-y. And, but I'm like, my only thought with... So I like it. But my only thought is, does this make any sense... If you haven't read the book, <laughs> like, does that make it is any of this? Do you understand what happened here if you haven't read the book? Now, it is simpler. Like, the overall mm-hmm. story right. is much yes. more simple than it is presented in the book. So maybe I could buy that. Our cat is chasing a fly around our <laughs> studio. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's a good change. I like that they dropped all that because yeah. I don't need it. But I don't know if other people did. Uh, Trevor seemed to at least mostly understand it. He didn't really ask many questions about that. So two more things for better in the movie. And then we'll move uh, along to muggle questions again. I really like the way the wands connecting looks in the movie. Yes. Like when they hit the spells hit and it's like plasma. Yeah. Coming dripping down. It looks awesome. It does. It looks really cool. I also like that they decide uh, not to have them float up in the air. In the book? Yeah. It, what is the point of that in the book? I don't There's even... not really... Like, it says that they float away from, like, the graveyard, but, so I guess the implication But he still is... floats close enough to the to Cedric's body. They don't float that yeah. far because the, the Death Eaters walk over and come back around him, and yeah. he can still run to the Cedric's body and the cup. I don't know, and that's... I mean, that's probably one of those things that, like, they kind of pushed this book out fairly quickly. Yeah. Um... Just something that got missed in editing. Yeah, I just thought it didn't make... Maybe there was a reason she needed it in the first draft, and then just it got left in somehow. That got dropped, and then this got left in. Who knows? I don't know. But anyway, so... Because in the book, they, like, float up in the air and float, like, 20 feet away and then come back down, and I'm like, why? (laughs) What? what?" (laughs) All right. So they don't do that, which I thought was a good idea. Um, The only thing I don't like about this in the movie is, in the book, it's very clear that at one point... uh, these like golden beads as they're described appear on the the uh-huh. connection between the wands and they start getting pushed back and forth 
yeah. between them. And if they get clo- as they get closer to Harry's wand, his wand starts shaking more. So then he tries to push him away. And we get this idea that it's a very and, and he starts talking or he starts vocalizing how or not vocalizing inner vocalizing how he he, <laughs> he needs to concentrate super hard and he realizes the most important thing he could ever possibly do is push that bead at the end into Voldemort's wand yeah and so it's like this battle of wills and really and I don't feel like we see that play out we don't see the beads right but they keep it as the red versus the green which is fine I think in the mm-hmm. movie but I still don't feel like we get that moment of like Harry like mustering his yeah, will like, like and everything like, he has within himself. Yeah, and forcing that, it just kind of happens. Like, it just right. kind of, and then they all start coming out. Whereas in the book, it's like, he concentrates and makes it happen, and then when the wand gets hit with the spell, it, that's when the mm-hmm. the priori and cantatum happens. Because, but, yeah, that's the only criticism of it, but it looks really cool apart from that. Like, it looks amazing. And then my final one uh, is that, and you had this in your better in the book, uh, when we get back out of, uh, when he comes back with Cedric's body and lands back at the maze or outside the maze, mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job in the movie of us getting to see everybody's reaction. And again, this is a change because in the book we're getting Harry's perspective and he's like out of it and like right. half unconscious and, you know, he's going in and out of consciousness. Um, but in the movie we see Amos react we yes. kind of hear it a little in the book. We hear screams and whatnot, but like in the movie, we really see Amos react to this. And everybody else, you see the, lots of shots of like everybody, like Harry and Ron and or Hermione and Ron and the crowd and the Weasley mm-hmm. and, and everybody just sort of reacting to this. And it just hit a lot harder to me the sort of emotional impact of of Cedric's death and and how it affected because we actually see it the reaction on Amos Diggory. It just hit me harder than just sort of like. Because we don't get that in the book. Right. Like, it's just, like yeah. you said, it's more confusion, less like seeing people's reaction. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I thought it, it hit pretty hard in the in the movie, uh, and I, I thought they did a good job with it. So. No, I agree with that. Um, and something else small that I liked in the movie about that scene was that the band is playing. Yeah, when they, like right a, when they yeah, get like back. Yeah, like a triumphant. Like, burr, 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 burr. Yeah. And it's such a, a contrast yeah. and immediately. And then it, like, fades out. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was a really... Really smart idea. Uh, all right. That was the, uh, the end of Better in the Movie. See, we told you it would be shorter. Much shorter. <laughs> Muggle Questions Part 3. What would the consequences have been? What would have happened if Harry just decided to not compete in the tournament? If he just forfeited? Can Harry forfeit? Is that even a thing? Um, Unclear. We don't. I. Yeah, the, we talked about this. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, we were just trying to figure this out ourselves. This is a question I had. Yeah, the, they say in the book, Dumbledore says, yeah. that entering the tournament is a magically binding contract, but we don't really get any insight on what that means. And what would happen. Yeah, like what would happen if he forfeited or if he simply refused to participate. Yeah. It's kind of a, a conceit that we have to buy into in order to have the story. Yeah, yeah he just has to compete. Yeah. Uh, don't ask questions. Like, that's <laughs> kind of what it is. Because, yeah, I was like, what if he just, sure, I'll compete. And then gets to every task and just quit. Like, just doesn't, you know, because yeah. you can fail. Like, Floor in the second task, like, fails yeah, I mean, really he early. he could have just, like, waded into the lake and then been like, nope, oh, well. Couldn't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I don't, I, we don't know um, what, yeah, but, uh, yeah, you gotta, it's magic. <laughs> How can Harry dream about Voldemort? Like, see him in his dreams? How does that work? 
Uh, it's a big spoiler for the series going yeah, forward. Yeah, big old spoiler. So uh, it will be addressed in the future, as you in your little preamble to your questions every time. If it's coming in the future, let me know. This is one of those ones that we will find out about in the future. Does the book explain better why Crumb asked Hermione to the dance? I mean, she's smart. She's pretty. He could obviously see the pretty. I don't think he'd appreciate the smart as much. Did they go into any other motives behind that? Um, I would say that movie Crumb probably wouldn't be interested in Hermione. Yeah. Uh, book Crumb, as we discussed a little bit, is pretty smart. Yeah. And he's actually a pretty decent guy. He is. He's and he's very clearly set apart from uh, Karkarov and some of the other Durmstrang students in that. Yeah. Because they, they mentioned that they actually teach. Supposedly, I think it's Malfoy says this, so who knows if it's true? But yeah. they say they actually teach the dark arts at Durmstrang. Durmstrang. Uh, unlike the Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts. But it's very clear over the course of the book that Crumb doesn't fit into that same yes. mold. But they do play up the idea that Durmstrang as a whole is kind of like Slytherin. Well, yeah, it's like the Slytherin because they sit at the Slytherin table in the book mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, it's like if the whole school was Slytherin kind of is the idea. <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher her name. Fleur? Maybe? Would her sister have died in the second task if Harry hadn't saved her? Uh, no, uh, Gabrielle Delo- Delacour, I guess is her name, Gabrielle Delacour, uh, she would not have died. Uh, yeah. Harry finds out afterwards that the hostages were never in danger, and he's like, oh, duh. Yeah, he feels he feels real dumb. <laughs> yeah. All right, time for the movie. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, The campground. Yeah, we both have this. That's the World Cup, the Magic Tent. Yeah. We're on the inside. I like as they're walking through the campground, I think it does a pretty good job of portraying that same feeling you got reading the book of the, the yeah. raucous wizard gathering and like yeah. all these different, it's just so many sights and sounds and people on brooms and, you know. It's just, and it's, some of them are trying to blend in with yeah. the muggles and some of them don't care. Yeah. I wish there was a little bit more of an, uh, a little bit more of them of, and maybe there is, but there's so much going on. You just can't really see it of wizards trying to dress like muggles clumsily yes. because that's some great moments in the book. <laughs> Of people wearing like kilts with like dressing gown, like just yeah. ridiculous combinations of of muggle clothes, um, and that probably is in that scene. But there's so much happening yeah. that you can't really focus yeah, on any of it. Yeah, there's one really funny part where there's a wizard wearing like a woman's nightgown. Yes, a woman's nightgown, and he insists that it's muggle wear because yeah. he bought it in a muggle shop. Yeah, and they're like a muggle, and the and the two ministry wizards are like, no, for women, it was a woman's muggle shop. This dude's just woke, all right. Yeah. Isn't it- doesn't confine to your gender norms. Get out of here, ministry. <laughs> I think Moody's good. I think, well, it's not Moody, but he's playing Moody, essentially. And yes. he's the same actor plays Moody in in the future movies. Um, and I think he does a pretty good job. Yeah. And I actually like that he comes across in the movie, to me, a little more unstable and, like, mean mm-hmm. slightly than he does in the book. Uh, and it, to me, that makes sense because it is yeah, a it Barty, is Crouch Barty Crouch Jr. Crouch and Jr. not Mad-Eye. Um, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, I would have loved to see more of the Durmstrang ship, but yeah. I did think it looked pretty cool coming yeah. up out of the lake. Yeah. And we don't see any of it in the inside of it in the book or not right. any of it described. But yeah, the, yeah, we only see it very briefly in the movie. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the unforgivable curse scene with Moody is pretty much a spot on adaptation from yeah, the book other yeah. than the Some spider flying around, yeah. which yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but uh, I think it, uh, in overall, apart from that, they, they hit all the imp- really important moments and I think Moody does a good job with it and everybody does. Uh, and like, it's like most of it's like word for word from the book. Mm-hmm. So uh, the goblet looks cool. Looks, yeah. looks great. Nice. The names coming out of it look cool. And I like the way, 
they kind of just fly to Dumbledore's hand, which is kind of how it was like he just reaches up and grabs him out mm-hmm. of the air in the book. And it's the same thing happening in the movie. I also like that's a little touch, but that they the paper they all use is slightly different. Yeah, it's a little thing, but like floors is like a doily it's, yeah, type it's of like thing. super fancy. Yeah, um, I thought Rita Skeeter was well cast. Mm-hmm. She I did agree. a good job. Yeah, we have some questions about her quick quotes quill. quill. Yeah, how much how much writing is she even doing? Or I is it the quill? On rereading this, I was like, so how much? Yeah, is she? Is or it, is she like? Is the quill like attached to her like mind conscious, somehow? Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's basically dictating her thoughts, or you know, to some extent, or is it literally like writing itself? Because that wouldn't surprise yeah. me either. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. And she's kind of just asking the questions. And if that's the yeah, case, like how, how, anybody could be a writer. How as long much as you is ask her, it. and how much is the quill? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, but I they nail. I think they nail the book, the broom closet scene yeah. at the weighing of the wands, where she drags him into a closet, and Harry's like. Why are we in the closet? It is, you know, it's pretty much spot on from the book. Um, the Owlry, I think it's a little dumb that the Owlry is like really far away from the castle. I guess it makes sense mm-hmm. to some extent, but I always imagined that the Owlry was just one of the Thai towers. Yeah, I, think I, always, even described I think it, it is one of the towers. Um, whereas in the movie, it's like a separate building, like a football field away from the castle. Yeah. Which, fine, whatever. But the inside of it to me was adequately covered in bird droppings <laughs> as to reflect in the book because it's mentioned in the book that the floor is like slick because there's so much nasty bird shit on the floor nasty and, and in the movie it is covered <laughs> everywhere it's just yeah. covered i wouldn't even walk in there no i'd be like you can come out here Hedwig. <laughs> I'm, I'm right down here you can come pick up the pick up my letter uh they have the the they bring back the brown uh suit and the yellow tie which yeah, for Hagrid. For Hagrid, which is mentioned in the book that he wears to impress mm-hmm. uh, Madame Maxime. And, and he also uh, tries to comb and grease his hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, and in the they don't, I don't know if they do this, but in the movie, because it's hard to tell, but in the book they describe that he has like broken pieces of comb in his yeah. hair because it's, <laughs> he's, he's that untamable. His hair is Such that a, untamable. Such a wild mane. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I have the Malfoy ferret scene in the movie Nailed It, mainly because... I think McGonagall's reaction and uh, Maggie Smith's portrayal of McGonagall's reaction yeah. is so spot on to what <laughs> I imagined from the... And I think Maggie Smith in general is just a perfect McGonagall. But her reaction to to uh, Moody doing this is exactly how I imagined <laughs> it in the book. And just her utter bewilderment that, like... It's just everything about the scene, uh, other than some little things here and there, I think is perfect from the movie or from the book. I like that they included the faux glass. Yeah. They, they set it up and don't pay they it off. They just don't pay it off. Like, like, like we said. But I'm just glad it was at least mentioned, yeah. I guess, but whatever. Um, I love the tiny little dragons. Yes, I have that as well. I want one. They look amazing. Teeny um, little dragon. Yeah, and I imagine it's like the same idea, that the, the, the same spell or whatever that they yeah. use for the crumb, little miniature yeah. crumb statue. Yeah. I like to imagine it's the same thing. Uh, I love the scene where he asks out Cho... And I think Harry or uh, Daniel Radcliffe nails the delivery of Harry saying, do you want to go ball with me? Like he like because he's so nervous that he just kind of blurts it all out at once. Yeah. And it's mentioned in the book that she like doesn't understand him. because And it's written in the book as like one word of like, do you want to go ball with me? <laughs> uh, I thought that was done really well in the movie. And also uh, Ron asks out Flor Delacour because it doesn't really make as much sense in the movie because she's not, she's not Vila. Vila. And in the book, he's like in transpire and just without even realizing it asks her and yeah. they kind of play it that way in the movie too. But yeah, they don't set up their other half of it, but I think his reaction and everybody talking about it 
yeah. afterwards is really spot on from how it is in the book. Um, Hermione's response to Ron realizing that she's a girl ah, yes. is word for word from yeah. the book. And uh, Emma Watson's delivery is spot on. Yeah. Oh, well spotted. <laughs> we mentioned it earlier, but Ron's awful dress robes. Uh, they they're kind of are adequately awful. Adequately awful and clash <laughs> with his hair appropriately and have the lace and everything. Again, wish they would have done the trimming, but the robes yeah. themselves look pretty great. Uh, the prefect's bathroom. We both had yes. this one. It's exactly how I imagine it's sort of like a Roman bathhouse mm-hmm. like with a million taps. The only thing I wish the movie had done is that in the book we have the description of the taps and like bouncing, like arcing off the tops of the waters and just yeah. more magical, like the there's bubbles like and the There's like a million soaps. different kinds of bubbles in the and book. And they all do like really interesting things. Yeah. And there's only, I mean, we they describe like three or four of them, but I wish we really just see a bunch of bubbles in the movie. Right. I get it. It's not a super important scene and that would cost a lot to do that, but it would have been cool. Uh, I like the Myrtle in the is included in the movie, mm-hmm. and she still has the hots for Harry, mm. of course. <laughs> you know, makes sense. Um, the uh, the effects of the gillyweed. Yeah, I think it looks well pretty spot on. Yeah. Where he get, gets everything, and gets the he grows gills and, and webbed hands and yeah. feet, and yeah, looks pretty good. And uh, the mermaid village. I thought the whole second task, other than the part where he jumps out, is pretty much. Yeah. It's probably like the bet most successful of the three tasks in translating what I imagined. Because mm-hmm. you even get the Grind... I assume those are Grindylows at the yeah, end. Yeah, I think they are. They look different than I imagined, but I imagine they were Grindylows. And so you even get that element, the attack uh, from the book. So I think that that was the closest uh, <laughs> of the tasks from the book. And I really like the way the Mermaid Village looks uh, with all the the seaweed and stuff growing on the buildings and everything. Mm-hmm. I just thought it looked really cool. And, and we mentioned earlier, but the Voldemort rebirth scene at the end... Other than Wormtail and yeah. uh, his performance, which I thought should have been more cowering, more whimpering, uh, more, miserable. Yeah, more cowardly overall. Yeah. But but aside from that, aside from that, that rebirth scene was pretty really good. good. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. And, and all the stuff with the Death Eaters and everything. He mentions Goyle and Crab yes. and McNair and all and, the important um, ones. Malfoy, whose hood does not, not hide his does hair. Does not quite cover that golden <laughs> flowing white mane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a really good scene. Uh, and then business Dumbledore, we finally get to see it again. I we talked about it earlier. I wish there was more of it, but yeah, or that he was more intimidating in the movie. But you get to see it finally, and he, he gets down to business for a minute. All right, that was it for the movie. Nailed it. We got our final Muggle questions. Then we're gonna hit some general discussion. Then we're gonna wrap this up because this was an epic journey, and I still have to edit this before I go to bed. <laughs> so did Dumbledore know Crouch Junior was posing as Mad Eye? And if he didn't, when exactly did he figure it out? No. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, he figures it out when Moody immediately takes Harry away from him after the yeah. third task. Because he knows the real yes, Moody. The real Mad Eye Moody would never have done that. This one I completely missed. I don't understand how it happened. But in the movie, at the third task, Dumbledore says Cedric and Harry are tied for first going into the last round. I know Harry got second in the second challenge, but they didn't say anything about the first challenge. How, how, how did that go? Um, so the movie doesn't really address this element clearly, but after each of the first two tasks, they're all awarded points. In the book, yeah. Again, kind of similar to the Olympics, where we yeah. drew that um, analogy and, and, earlier. And all the judges are, it's the three headmasters, Dumbledore, Karkarov, Madame Maxime, then it's uh, Barty Crouch, and yes. then Ludo Bagman, who's not in the movie, is the yes. other judge. So there's five judges, and they each give points out of ten. Well, yeah. for this first one. Um, so Harry and Cedric are tied for first based on those points. points. Yeah. 
Were the spirits of Voldemort's victims trapped inside his wand? Or was that some other kind of projection of magic? Uh, Priority Autonomous is a spell that reveals what the last spell is performed by a wand in reverse order. Um, so they weren't spirit. This is what we talked about where how would you possibly right. understand what Priori and Katatum is uh, and clearly, or what happened? Clearly you can't. No, you can't. I don't think. Yeah. I, and also, so yeah, it's not that the victim, the souls or the spirits were trapped in the wand or anything. Uh, it was a different project. Like you said, different projection of magic. It is. Um, yeah. It just recaps yeah. whatever the last spells performed by the wand in order. And like I said, in the book, we see every spell, not just yes. people that have died. Yeah. So it's more like it causes the ghost of a spell yeah. to come out, not the ghost of the people he yeah. killed, really. Yeah. And, and this is set up in the beginning of the book while, where uh, when the Mos Madra, the dark mark appears in the sky yes. over the uh, Quidditch World Cup or after the Quidditch World Cup, they find Harry's wand, which in the book was what was used to cast it. It's not. It's, anyways, it's complicated, but they find Harry's wand and they use you can actually just use Priori and Cantatum on a wand. Yeah, to it, see what the last to see spell what the last was. spell is. And they do that. And then the most mod, the dark mark comes out. And so they go, oh, this was the wand that we've used. So that sets it up for later. So we know what Priori and Cantatum is. The way it happens with Harry and Voldemort is as a result of them, their wands sharing the same or a core with phoenix feathers <laughs> from the same phoenix. So they don't work against each other. And when they come into contact or conflict against each other, they they cause Priori and Katatum to happen. That Why that happens is not really explained. It's sort of just because magic. But um, <laughs> that's that's what happens. So there you go. It's complicated. Why did Tom Riddle's gravestone have a death date? And this was a question I had when rereading for the first chapter. Yeah, and I explained it to you like, like five Duh. different ways. Yeah. Um, Voldemort is Tom Riddle Jr. I knew this. So the grave is for Tom Riddle Sr., his father. Yeah. All right, that was it for Muggle Questions. Thank you, Trevor. Great job, as always. Actually, it's a better job than ever before. You had so many great questions. Not that you were doing a bad job before. But this is... As always, thank you, Brian and Katie, for having me on This Film is Lit. I hope my Muggle Questions were ponderous and satisfactory. If you're looking for a new podcast, might I suggest one of my podcasts, the KCMQ Morning Shag Best Of Podcast, my radio show, condensed into the best bits of the week, talking pop culture, trying to be funny, sometimes succeeding. You can download the KCMQ Morning Shag Best Of Podcast on your podcast app, or you can listen to it now, kcmq.com. Thanks, guys. So we, we just have a couple things for general discussion that I think we would like to bring up. Yep. Um, the beginning of this movie is like all info being thrown at you all the time. It's like being hit with info water balloons. Yep. Like we're here and now we're here and now we're here and now we're here. It's exhausting. Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot going on. And that, that gets even worse in later movies. I yeah. remember with like 7 and 7.2 or whatever. Oh boy, you move around a lot. And if you haven't read the books, it is hard to keep up. <laughs> Um, do the, this is a question I had in general. Do the Bobaton, Bobatons, and I'm going to call them Bobatons, and Durmstrang students go to classes? We never see them in any classes in the yeah. books, do we? The books, but they like live and stay on the boat and the, the carriage. carriage. They like yeah. come in for meals and then like go back. So maybe they take like private classes. I mean, with, yeah, with their headmasters they, on their probably. Thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it's only like a select group of older students, yeah, there maybe. I mean, they're probably all doing like independent yeah, study, essentially. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. We just never see them do it in the book or the yeah. movie. And I was like, I guess they're going to classes. Um, but speaking of which, it always kind of bothered me that they made the age limit seventeen because that's got to be basically no one. 
it, we see it's very it's like yeah. 10 people at each school it's like one grade level yeah. at hogwarts it's the seventh year the last year yeah and as we see with like fred and george a They're lot of them aren't year, even yeah. 17 yet yeah like i don't know it seems odd it is odd um but yeah they uh I guess it's because he didn't want Fred and George. Well, but that, I, I don't know. Or she didn't. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like, it, to me, sixth year on up. Yeah. Or like yeah. 16 would have made more sense, maybe. Mm-hmm. But mm, whatever. Yeah, and whatever. It's just, yeah, it is, it's not a very big pool. Um. So here's a plot hole. Oh, this is a big one. You got her. <laughs> they say got her in both the book and the movie that the Imperious Curse has given the Ministry a lot of grief. Because they had like they dark can't sort out. yeah they can't sort out who was acting of their own volition and who was under the imperious curse after Voldemort falls yeah but like why would that be an issue when Veritaserum exists yeah truth potion so that's a that's a legit plot hole now I guess you could make the argument that it would be either cost prohibitive or. Or or a violation of of well, I mean, I think they some sort of wizard law to force all these people to take Veritaserum, but I think I don't they know. could explain it away a couple different ways. I mean, and maybe it has been in like some of the extra lore that yeah, she's maybe. written because I haven't read much of that. But yeah, so it's possible. Um, but I mean, they could have said that like maybe the plant that it's made from is really rare, yeah. or it's really expensive to make, yeah, like, or maybe like it's not an effective like answer for that because you would only like tell the truth about what you were doing yeah, but you not can't like testify you... to like how you felt about yeah, it yeah, or yeah yeah. I, yeah I could see that there might be but I agree that that seems potentially prob- like a problem yeah. <laughs> potentially like a problem um so they say this is the safe there this is the safe triwizard tournament and yeah, they're going to make sure safe. nobody dies this time right there okay I kind of buy it with like the second and third task yeah. Like in the third task, there are people peruse or like going around the outside of the maze and you shoot up sparks and they'll come, right. you know, whatever. And the second task, we learn at the end that the mer people are actually pretty friendly. They're friendly enough and they're not going to hurt, you know, yeah. and the Grindelows are not a big threat. Like, you know, you'd be fine. Like, you you know, like floor gets away and it's fine. Yeah. And so but the first one, <laughs> there is zero way that could have possibly been safe. Like it takes dragons are set up as like one of the most dangerous creatures. Yeah. And you literally your task is to go next to one. Yeah. All it takes is you messing up for half a second. And you are toasty and you're toast. Eaten, you're, or you're eaten by uh, I, the, the, being on fire. I can even buy more as like they could do something about if it eats you. If <laughs> if the if the dragon bites you in half. Chomp. As, you, they're done. You're dead. You're. I don't think they can fix that in the wizard world. I, like you're dead. This is a super safe triwizard tournament. Is, like okay. I said, second, third task. Okay, sure, maybe. But the first task, uh, uh-uh. uh, zero percent chance. Z- like, and in the movie, like it's swinging around its tail. If that one tail one time hit Harry and impales him through the <laughs> chest with its spiky tail, like he's dead. Like I. Uh, yeah, that first one, no way. There's just no way you could have made that safe. So, Cedric's clue. Yeah. He, uh, to me, Harry's, like, frustrated and annoyed at Cedric, and it's for a lot of complicated, like, angsty teen Mm -hmm. reasons, but, like, one of the reasons he says in the book a lot is that 
He's like aggravated that Cedric's clue was it. He's like, oh, I told him exactly what was coming. It was dragons. He's like frustrated with Cedric's clue. But Cedric's clue is literally what it is in the movie, too. It's just take your egg. Go, and he, he's like winking at him the whole time. He's like, go take a bath with it and mull it under, mull it, mull it over in the water. Like, it, he could not more clearly say, hey, put it underwater. Yeah. Like, to me, it seems super obvious, and it was just really annoying that Harry's like, oh, stupid Cedric didn't even give me a good clue. I'm like, told you what to do <laughs> without doing it. Like, uh, okay. Um, and this is a big problem. We were talking about this a little bit. Yeah. With this, with, this is my problem. I have a problem with the wizarding world in general. And now it, it, it's a little less of a problem for a couple reasons. And one is that these books take place in, like, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Two... Uh, we know technology doesn't work around magic or whatever. Like it mm-hmm. short, it makes uh, yeah, it makes it go haywire. So you can't Google. I'll, I'll accept that they can't Google things, but we've discussed before the idea of card catalogs not yes. being like a crazy thing. Like they exist and would exist within the universe of the books. And why wouldn't wizards use? Of course, they would use car, like some sort of card catalog yeah. system for their library. And Hogwarts has this huge library. I don't understand how it's so impossible. And such a hard task for the for the champions to like fi- figuring out what the challenge is or whatever. Sure, fine. Like you know, right. but then figuring out how to breathe underwater for an hour seems be a pretty, trivial to me. Yeah, it seems like it would be a pretty easy thing for them to find, or at least figuring out how to do it. Maybe if you want to say like the actual learning how to do yeah, the spell it's, is it's hard, difficult. Sure, sure, sure. But like the the whole like we Harry does Harry Hermione and Ron spend. Like a week, I don't know, several days in the library and can't find it. Even says they enlist the help of the librarian who would fucking know. I absolutely know at least something. It just blows my mind. And now I guess the idea is that the world of magic is just so expansive that you couldn't possibly know, but like it just. Especially too, on top of that, like, so here's the thing they can't find the bubblehead charm. Like, they don't yeah. come across the bubblehead charm at any point for some reason, which is what Cedric and Floor use. In the ch- so, two other champions yes. come across this, but Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and the librarian for like a week don't come up with this at any point. Right. And it would have made way more sense if, like, that was, say, a really advanced piece of magic, and Harry tries yeah. it, and he tries it, and he, and he can't, can't do get it. it. So then he has to come it. up with a different thing. Yeah. And, then, and then, and and yeah, if he keeps trying it, he just can't do it, and then he gets rescued by Neville at the last minute with the gillyweed. Yes. Sure. Like, that makes more sense. But, like, does they never come up with anything? And it's like, what, what, are, well, what books are you looking in? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of similar to this idea that we just have to accept that he is obligated yeah. to participate in the Triwizard Tournament. It's a conceit I know. that we have to go along with. Yeah. Uh, you've yeah, heard, I, you've I, heard yeah. the phrase, suspend your disbelief. Yes, obviously, yes. <laughs> you've heard me say it, yes. at least. And, you know, I, I think that's a phrase that's often misunderstood. And when people say it, they're thinking about like, oh, suspend your disbelief. Dragons exist. Right. But that's not really what it means. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a complicated topic, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. To me, it's different because to me, this is more of the I can I can I can deal with dragons existing as long as your rules within your universe make sense. To me, this is borders on rules within the universe not making sense of just. And this is the close. This is the only book where this ever really happens to me. Like, because mm-hmm. this is the only one where they're like desperately researching to find. I mean, 
it happens when they're like 11 looking for the sorcerer stone but that's a little different like yeah. i can forgive that more this one it's like four three 14 year olds in a library for four days can't find a single book that has anything yeah about how to and again it's if they had tried stuff and couldn't do it sure it's just uh no i don't disagree i think there were better ways to do that and also just on the same line it bothers me that none of the other champions or anybody else knew what gillyweed was so there's this magic plant out there that makes you that makes you turn into a fish (laughs) and none of them thought about it or knew to look it up for this challenge where you have to breathe underwater for an hour oh by the way gillyweed works for an hour like it just i don't know i said some problems with that it's like come on and that you know, and there would have been there could have been better ways to do that too. They could have set up Gillyweed as something really rare, yeah. Or she could have set up um, herbology as a kind of a, a branch of magic that gets dismissed. And I think that is the idea. I think mm-hmm. the implication is sort of like nobody cares about herbology. Yeah, it's like the Hufflepuff class. It's taught by the Hufflepuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, think that's the Hufflepuff it's like, of magic it's, branches. It, is, it really is. It's not flashy. Like it's yeah. not. You know. Yeah. And it's very. It, it's very practical. Yeah. Kind and, of magic. And, and, and it's not. Yeah. And so I think that is the implication: is that it's sort of not taken as seriously, or, or people aren't looking. They're looking to transfiguration and charms and, yeah. and that sort of thing for their like. I got to do something. So I get that to some extent, but still, there's a plant that turns you into right. a fish for an hour for an hour-long underwater challenge, and nobody knows about it except for Neville Longbottom. Like, all right. I, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, and this was a big problem, too, with the book that is slightly rectified in the movie, but not really. Um, the, the second two challenges, the second and third challenges, are terrible spectator challenges. Yeah. They just sit and watch the lake for an hour. Yeah, they sit and stare <laughs> at the top of a lake for an hour, and they all come down to watch it. And I'm like, you're not. I mean, it's exciting when they come out at the end. Like, who who won? I guess, <laughs> but like, yeah, they can't see anything. Uh, and so this is the weird thing too. That this is a problem in the book, a really big problem that I have with the book when I was reading it is that with the third task, it seems the implication in the book is that. Because it's on the the maze is on the Quidditch field in the book. Mm-hmm. That's not really where it is in the movie. It's like way bigger in the movie. Yeah. Um, but it's on the Quidditch field, and the idea is that the people, I, what I assumed, and it's never really explained, was that everybody was going to go sit in the Quidditch stands way up in the air, so then they can look yeah, down, they can look down, and they can watch them all running into around the maze. Down in there. Yeah, and it's like watching like a Pac Man or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's what I imagine, and that's what made sense. I was like, oh, then they can watch it and see what happens. But that, and but we never describe what actually, if that is what happens in the book, uh-huh. and it can't be. Because and here's the thing, it can't be the case. What happens in the movie actually makes more sense that they just sit at the edge of the maze and stare at a maze wall for like that, <laughs> ma- which again is stupid, but it makes sense at least that they can't see what's going on in the maze. Yeah. Because in the book, if they can, if they're up watching from above and can see in the maze, nobody stops it or intervenes. None of the teachers, Dumbledore, nobody intervenes when they watch Crumb Crucio. Yeah. Victor yeah. Crumb or uh, Cedric or or Knockout uh, Floor Delacour, like nobody does anything, so they can't be watching. They can't be, yeah, or else something would happen. So it, right, because this is the super safe Triwizard yeah, Tournament. Oh, uh, I guess <laughs> well, let them play. I guess I don't know. Crucio, that he really wants to win. I guess like I, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So they can't be watching, 
And I never thought about that before. And especially, too, because Moody is, like, clearing the way for Harry is what happens in the book. He's, like, yeah. clearing obstacles out for him and stuff. And if they would be seeing that happening, eh, you, it's a problem. You would think. It's a problem. It's a bit of a problem. It's a problem. But you just kind of wave it away and go, sure, fine. Yeah. And so the movie way, actually, like I said, makes sense that they just can't see. It's dumb. Why would you stare at a hedge wall for an hour? But sure, <laughs> it makes sense, at least. Uh, All right, let's... <laughs> I know. I just have one Sorry, more one more thing that I wanted to mention. The mermaids, when they're singing, they sound like Celtic woman. Yeah, I know. I noticed this yeah. in the movie, but then later on, like when he's actually in the lake, they just sound like street demons. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't. Maybe their singing voices are just nice. I don't know. I, I don't know. I have one more thing, and uh, not the Snape thing. So this is in the book only, and I have to know this. This is a problem, a question I always had in the book, because that every time Harry's talking or any dialogue happens, when somebody's looking for a word, they say er. It's written uh -huh. as er in the book, er. Harry will be like, uh, serious, er, I'm whatever. And I always read, I was like, I guess, is that how, like, you write uh? Like, uh, because, you know, like, mm -hmm. if we're looking for, in America, if we're looking for a word, generally, it's, uh, it's uh. Or um. Or um. It's not er. Usually, usually, yeah. I, I've never. Uh, I don't to me, know why do British people say. Er that's my question is. Of, um? It has to be because here's why in the book, and when the Sphinx does the riddle, yes, the riddle. One of the components of the riddle is the 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 sound you make when you're looking for the next word, and the sound that is in the riddle answer is er er yeah. for spider. Er. Yeah, so we would have come up with spider. Spider. Spida. Spidum. Spida. I mean, Spida. I would I get, get there, it. I guess. But like that was, but he very clearly says er, and I was so confused. I'm like, so wait, they actually say er? So if if we have any British listeners, yeah, if, so if, if you if, made it to the three hour mark, <laughs> please let us know. Do you say er instead of uh or um? Because Americans generally say uh or um. Yeah. I don't know anyone who says er. I don't know anybody who goes er. Uh, yeah, mm, I don't know. Anyways, that I just had to know because that blew my mind as a little kid. Like, wait, yeah. Okay. So please let us know if you've made it this far. <sighs> All right, let's final verdict before we die. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterward. <sighs> We were going to give it to the book. We were always going to give it to the book. Yeah, this one's the clearest case so far. Yeah, uh, this movie was a mess. movie's a bit of a mess. It still has its moments. It's still kind of fun. I think they did about as, I say this truly, about as good as you could do with some part, like as a yeah. whole with the story and combining it all into a movie. I think they did about as good as you could do on broad strokes. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of little issues that yes. with the dark mark stuff and, and just little well, rule yeah, breakings that don't a, make a sense. A lot of issues, I think, with like not fully understanding the source material. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, so that that's the stuff that's more annoying on the rewatch than it is like the dragon breaks free and flies all over yeah. Hogwarts. It's like oh, I can live with that. You know, there's there's bigger and, and getting rid of Winky. Uh, uh, that's its own problem with the whole house elf thing. But getting rid of certain, you know, getting rid of Ludo Bagman. Yeah. That sucks as a book reader. Would have been fun to see Little Bagman, but I get it. Like, he's yeah. not that important um, to but the like, overall story. Fundamentally misunderstanding what a dark mark is. Yeah, and how it interacts is, with yeah. other things and what it means and what it means to, to Voldemort yeah. and how, yeah, it, it's just, that's the stuff where it's like, wait a second. Where, like, it makes you feel like 
you didn't read the source yeah. material, did you? Yeah. How how could we, clearly JK couldn't have been too involved with yeah. this one <laughs> or something. Like, how did that stuff get by? It's very strange. Uh, unless we're just wrong about everything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Could be. Could I don't be. think so. That's going to do it. Oh, <sighs> three hours. <laughs> so we're Better be quick. the longest one. Um, next for the next episode, the next two episodes, technically, because yeah, we'll have prequel a prequel and a main episode. We are taking a short breather from Harry Potter to give both of us more time to read the behemoth that is Order of the Phoenix. Because uh, we kind of moved through this one at a breakneck pace, and uh, yeah. I don't want to do it again. No. So we're going to take a little bit of a breather, and we are going to talk about Banned Books Week mm-hmm. and where the wild things are. Yeah. So it's a nice short read yeah. for you. It's a nice uh, nice little three-minute read. Yep. Yeah, Where the Wild Things Are, look out for that. The prequel episode uh, might have a talk about a movie or something. I don't know. If we go see something. Um, uh, oh, we're talking about banned books, too, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll get back into Order of the Phoenix three weeks from now with the prequel, and then a month from now with the actual episode. We've, like I said, we're a little bit of breather. Break up Harry a little bit here. We've been on a Harry Potter binge, uh, and we need some time to read that fifth one because it's a it's a monster. Uh, until next time, keep reading books, keep watching movies, and keep being awesome. Mm-hmm.